Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Friday, December 23rd, 2022. <laughs> I have no idea why that just randomly went out of focus and still is. Fantastic way to start the show today. There we go. Love the glitches. December 23rd, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. How are you guys out there? I have an important discussion to have today about the words are violence discussion or the the, the agenda of, of driving this all forward. And we've been talking about this quite a bit. I had a great conversation today, actually, with uh, Brian from High Impact Flicks that will be coming out at the beginning of next week about a, a lot of the same things, um, th- th- the same discussion about how this is being done and why and what the agenda behind it is and the moving parts around it. And today, that's going to be one of the main focuses, of the two, actually three different parts about how, and it's not just COVID and medical misinformation, as you guys know. We're talking about just anti-government sentiments, all sorts of things in different parts around the world and different pockets of the United States and different pockets of the UK are all actively and always trying to drive the idea that if you say the wrong thing, it's not just dangerous, it's actually violence. And the argument there being without them saying it, well, therefore, if it's violence, then we can actually put you in jail for a violent crime. And that's where this seems to be going. Doctors in Canada being arrested for going against the medical consensus, despite that never being something. In fact, that guaranteeing will never change our thought process. And throughout history, that means we would still be believing the earth is flat and so on and so on and so on. And and that's how this tends to go where they're keeping you stuck in their controlled narrative. And I think we can see quite clearly that the COVID-19 discussion is falling apart at the seams right now. And yet they want you to only listen to what they have to say next. It's very, very, very concerning. We've also talked about this in the context of the, as we've called it, the MAGA trap, the vanilla ISIS psyop, creating a situation where certain people, and that's not necessarily a left or right thing, it's whoever they want to decide is what they say they are, will become a violent white supremacist, lone shooter, conspiracy theorist, you know, whatever the montage of terms will become just because you said the thing you weren't supposed to say, or even crazier because you said certain things that they say you're not allowed to say in an objective contextual way that then somebody then points at and takes a violent act. And then you're the reason that happened. And you see the way this continues to go. Now we're going to talk about that general point today, but we're also going to talk about other points in conjunction with all this. They all generally connect today, Ukraine, Twitter, COVID-19 vaccines. And of course, the couple points at the end about how this all gets used to drive you in a very clear direction. And that's not necessarily the way I've described that before, but we'll get into this today. I'd like to start with a couple of interesting points here as it pertains to Ukraine, I guess the, the main connection, but just overall spending in this country and how absurd this is. It's just the idea that they present what they want as an individual, as a party, as a government, as what you want. I'll just read it as Abraham wrote. Mitch McConnell says the number one priority for the U.S. government is giving the military industrial complex and the Ukraine government billions more. And and now the second part of it is how he's framing it, but that is true. He doesn't necessarily necessarily say military industrial complex. His point, though, is that Mitch McConnell is saying the number one priority for this country is Ukraine. I mean, how in the world do we even take that as so... Is there a direct and immediate threat to the national script? No. They want to pretend that that's there. They want to say that Russia will come for us next or the next thing, the next just abstract arguments and certainly could be true. How in the world are we going to pretend the number one priority for the U.S. is to spend money outside this country? 
I don't care what your argument is. How is that even possibly something Americans are? And well, I think that's the point. I don't think Americans agree with this left or right or aware of the illusion. It's just mind blowing. This is what they're stating as Americans can barely feed their families as all sorts of things are falling apart. And they're just trying to use that to justify the next step. Meanwhile, spending all your money on another country. One is the one that is completely and intentionally so for because of the CIA and the U.S. government overrun with fascist neo-Nazis and Nazis all across the board. Listen to what he had to say. Sure, the Defense Department can deal with the major threats coming from Russia and China, providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians. That's the number one priority for the United States right now, according to most Republicans. That's sort of how we see the... According to the American people? No, no. In fact, you can very clearly see that most Republicans, most any category you look at, does not want to be... Spe- they just tell you, well, you're too stupid. This is the right thing to do. Oh, so we're not in the democracy then? Got it. Okay, just to make that clear. So you guys decide what you want to do because you know what's right and we're too dumb to understand. I got it now. Okay, so this is where we are. We need to understand how this process, and this game goes, where they pretend that we are the ones influencing their decisions. But historically speaking, you can prove prove that the lobbyists, the moneyed interest and the corporate, all these things are what are driving their actions. I mean, this is straight up verifiable. We're talking about the Princeton study. This is classic conversation. Actually, now nah, I'm not going to try to find it right now. I, I, I was going through my old articles and I found that video again, the one about the Princeton study. And, you know, it's called uh, Is Democracy Free? I forget the title anyway. I'll, I'll bring it up in a future show. The, I play that. I used to play it so many times in the past. Just showing you bottom line based on math, a mathematical breakdown from Princeton that if, if lobbyists want something to happen in this country, like almost 99% of the time it happens, even if 0% of America wants it. On the flip side, if Americans want something to happen, well, it really is irrelevant because of the point we just said, right? That you could have 99% of Americans that want something and it, it, be, it can be almost impossible to pass if lobbyists don't want it. I mean, how do we misunderstand that? What he's telling you right there is the moneyed interests and our agenda believe that this is the most important thing. Even though you don't and we don't care. Have a good Christmas while you can barely heat your home. <laughs> I mean, this is just out- outrageous. And of course, we're talking about, and, and he, he goes on to write, meanwhile, 2.5 million children in the U.S. are homeless. True. That is one in every 30 children in the country, according to, uh, this was, I forget, looked at it before, oh, American Institutes for Research. No, you could argue that's right, left, wrong, blah, blah, blah. The point is, we know there are problems. We know there are issues. And we know that's by and large because, you know, COVID did this to us, right? <laughs> no, your government did this to you under a guise that COVID was going to do something. That's the reality. And now they're spending billions and billions and billions. In fact, over, I think, what's it now, almost $2 trillion on the more, on the new, uh, new spending packages that I think included another $100 billion for Ukraine. I mean, this is just overwhelming. A fraction of that could say could help the country across the board. $30 billion a year from any source could literally end world hunger, according to the WHO, They've, or excuse me, the UN, which has been said for, for the last 20 years. 
Now, sure, the number's probably gone up and that's fluctuated. And no, I'm not arguing that should be our responsibility. The point is that if they really cared about helping people, they wouldn't pretend that they have to take all these abstract actions and fund and spend your money on war while starving Yemen and starving Syria and starving everybody, but pretending we care about people. Okay, I'm done ranting. The crazy reality is these people don't care about you guys. And if Ukraine is, if Ukraine's got to be one of the best examples I've ever seen as we fund the terrorists, the bad guys. And I mean, I'm not even trying to be kind of reductive about it because I don't, I'm not, I'm not one to usually make it that because there's plenty of people in Ukraine, even in the government that may not be that. The point is that it's obvious. This is one of the most, this is one of the most alarming and concerning uh, collections of extremists right now on the ground in the, in the world, I would argue, that are continuing to do what they openly say they're going to do, and the government and the world and the media doesn't care. Now, I'm not saying there's not other dangerous people out there, but you need to really understand the breadth of this problem and what they genuinely claim they're trying to do. It's almost kind of ridiculous to realize that they have stated purposes of changing the whole world while they pretend that's what Putin wants to do, even though that's clearly, at least by action and by practice, what they don't seem to be trying to do. Maybe it's the whole, you know, accuse them of that, but you are guilty, which they just can't stop doing. You know, all they got is play one, two and three over there in the U.S. government, I mean. But just in case you were curious about how ridiculous this has gotten, you know, the whole fact that this guy who only ever seems to wear a green shirt and pants shows up at the White House for forty seven billion dollars. And everybody makes a big deal about this. And of course, the two party paradigm misses the entire point from both sides. Right. So it's it boiled down to the argument about it's 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 disrespectful, like we care about disrespecting a group that doesn't care about us. The point is, it was never about disrespect. That's the two party illusion missing the point. It's about the fact that this guy always, no matter what's going on, seems to always wear the same thing. Do you really know why? If you're smart enough to see through this, you should realize it's because you're supposed to think he's in a war. It's that simple, guys. Oh, he's wearing green fatigues. He must be in a war. This is real. Can't you tell? He's wearing a green shirt. Oh, he's at the White House in a green shirt. Man, he must be in a war. That is part of this, whether you think so or not. Now, is there more to it? Who knows? But ultimately, it's not about insulting that he shows up in sweatpants. It's because they don't want you to really think about how ridiculous it is that in any other circumstance, people would argue that it's absolute that you, you know, show some decorum. Wear a suit. I don't care. Not that you have to, but because this is a big deal. You, you are taking $47 billion away from Americans. Maybe you should show a little bit. So the bottom line is they made the choice. Let's make sure you have the green on so we can show them you're in a war. That's what I think is happening. But also, don't forget, this person, Kelly Matthews, says, I don't care Zelensky wore a sweatshirt and fatigues to meet see, and fatigues to meet President Biden. It wasn't disrespectful or inappropriate. Yeah, we weren't talking about that, Kelly. You're missing the point. Weird. People are weird. I was also I will also admit to looking where to get one made in Ukraine. Guess what, guys? Buy your own green shirt here. <laughs> I'm not even making this up. I actually thought I was like, this can't be real. Not even a joke. It's one hundred dollars. You can go on this website and buy your own special fancy Zelensky t-shirt for $100, which helps the Nazis in Ukraine. Good times. Get yours now for only $100. My God, these people think we are this stupid. Or they are this, truly this stupid. It's not about disrespectful. The question is, why would he almost always wear the same thing? Social engineering. It's just this transparent. Like I was joking today about this. Actually, I should have grabbed that. Hold on, I will grab that. Because this is actually pretty funny. I forgot to put this together from some of the things I added. And I will get to the Twitter part about it for those that are shocked to see T-Lav back in the mix. I'm getting to the Twitter part of this next, and I'll explain at least the what I think I can understand thus far. 
But there's an interesting clip that's been circulating. A lot of this we're going to go over today right here. I mean, I got this is just about the most ridiculous thing I've seen in a long time. And that's a big statement for how much absurdities. How childishly ridiculous this government and what they do is, are is. <laughs> the, the, it says the Ukraine's fight against Russia's unprovoked, unjustified war. Like, yeah, just just keep yelling those and we'll pretend that's the case, Biden. I'm proud to say they have not stood alone. And on my watch, they never will. You know, unprovoked, unjustified, except for the exact opposite of that. You know, the decades where they've been murdering people in Donbass and poking the bear and crossing red lines and going, do something, do something, do something. And they finally do. And they go, oh, unprovoked, unjustified. Now, I'm not saying I support the war, but let's not be children about this. Right. Let's realize the obvious propaganda playing from both sides. My point is, if you watch the video. Yeah, you see that? That's not me doing that. A slow motion walk. Seriously? (laughs) Why not an explosion in the background while you're at it? Is it just me? I really am genuinely asking this, guys. Is it just me? Or has the propaganda effort gotten more and more dumbed down lately? This is just silly to me. Like, why not just play the regular video? Somebody made the point that Biden did look like he was having a hard time walking. Maybe that's why. I don't know. But this is pro- this is straight out of a movie. The only reason you do this is because you think it looks cool. Because it makes it look like there's something more important happening. You don't, that, that's what you do on a TV show or on a movie or propaganda to make you think a certain way. This is how stupid they think we are, how childish they think we are. And as they're talking about the funding, Zelensky said, basically, I'll, I'll play it here. What's going to happen after Patriot missile systems are installed? You know, a gigantic red line being crossed, but totally not our fault that he did something because we crossed a red line. Just so stupid. So it's not a red line when we're doing when we scream democracy while we break the rules, right? Totally okay. Not rules, really, but you know, it's the same thing. If the exact same thing had been done in reverse, they would scream for the next 20 years that Russia broke all the rules, you know, and it's just such a childish move to do exactly what you know he said is going to cross a red line and then act baffled when he does something about it. Ridiculous. But guess what Zelensky said when they asked him, what are you, you going to do once they're installed? You know, ask for more, you dumb idiots, of course. I can send messages to President Biden. For example, if it's not serious, you said what's going to happen after Patriots uh, are installed. After that, we will send another signal to President Biden that we would like to get more Patriots. He wasn't kidding. We're working. That is our life. We are in war. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. That, that is my appreciation. And they all laugh about this. Like, I mean, really think about how ridiculous that is. We're not talking about a game here, guys. The people that are that are ta- that are covering this and acting like this is just a kind of quirky little thing. I mean, really, you just what he just said should be shocking. We'll ask for more because. You, I mean, this is if you what you need to see there is a few things. One, this is a U.S. war, period. Now, there's other funding and weapons coming from it, but it's predominantly coming from the United States. And if he's literally going like what he just said there is we wouldn't we won't be able to keep doing this if you don't keep sending them because this is only happening because you're giving us what it's very clear. How, how does he know that? Because this is the point. This is There's no end in sight here. This is never supposed to stop. They're the ones saying, when you actually listen to them and not listen through the filter of the U.S. government or the media, that this is not going to stop. They have plans to grow this back out far beyond Ukraine. 
I'm not making that up. That's what they've said on TV channels in Ukraine. But when you listen to them talk about Putin and there's never been something stated like that, his actions haven't shown you he's going to do that. Sure, he could think that. We don't know that for sure. But the media brazenly represents it as Putin wants to take over the world. So we have one side saying they want to do this. And we go, you don't understand, you stupid conspiracy theorists. They're over here doing everything the opposite of that. And it certainly could be. But they want to just make up the mind. That this is what's happening because this is our narrative. It's ridiculous. As I said, the laughing after that should send a chill through all of us. Oh, more money, <laughs> more spending, millions and billions more dollars. How hilarious. You're so cute. What a great green shirt you got on there. The Forever Wars. This is just the new extension, right? This is just another example of the same Berninsky kind of argument of how what we're really trying to accomplish in this gigantic field here, right? Talking about the balkanization of different areas. I mean, this has been an ongoing plan for a long time. It's It's just obscene to pretend this is not criminal in every possible way now i'm going to do more depth more focus on ukraine in general i haven't done it in a minute this is just i mean i think personally that things like the ukraine topic the mask topic the vaccine topic these things have been put to bed a year ago or i'm and i'm thinking of the vaccine when i say that but i think it's pretty clear that the things that are just now beginning to come breaking through in the higher level even independent media channels were things that we broke down and completely exposed right when this started the full obvious Nazi influence, neo-Nazi fascist, Operation Project Aerodynamic, the Azov movement, not battalion, that it's completely overtaken it, Svoboda, the Maidan Square. I mean, God, we were on this the first two weeks of this, breaking it all down, and we'll still continue to. As always, demonstrating our value for you guys, because this is how far ahead we were, even of the larger breaking news independent channels, especially from the mainstream, because there's different things happening and different people influencing. We are on it covering it no matter how contentious or how much we'll be censored for it because we only care about the truth <laughs> you typically at our own expense but i will come back to it's my point there's a lot to continue but the reason i haven't is what i was getting at more so as i have in the past is because i feel like it's obvious that we know what's going on there but if you want day-to-day moment-to-moment follow uh, eva bartlett follow vanessa bealy follow wyatt reed follow patrick lancaster and there's a couple other newer ones that i've been following as well that are just constantly showing you what's still going on yeah they're still bombing and murdering people in donbass right in the middle of the town square continuing to murder people and bomb and ethnically cleanse and do all the things that and i'm not saying because they said that you can see videos of this. You can see provable evidence showing it's happening. Guess what, though? The corporate media pretends it's not happening. That's what they do because they're liars or, or they don't even realize it. But I will come back to it. Now, I want to finish with three last points on the opening part here just to realize that this is an important clip from JFK. Interesting timing of all this as well. Talking about possibly maybe one of the things that got him killed. Who ultimately knows? But the, the, the idea that Americans or this, the United States cannot be the entity that we are, to, or rather that the government is today, because that's not what anybody wants. That's not what the world wants, except that's what they made happen and just convinced you over a very slow roll process that this is freedom and democracy. Let's face the fact that the United States is neither omnipotent nor omniscient, that we are only 6% of the world's population and that we cannot impose our will upon the other 94% of mankind, that we cannot right every wrong or reverse each adversity, and that therefore there cannot be an American solution to every world problem. That right there. 
that. There cannot be an American solution to every world problem. If you can't, that one sentence, the opposite of it is literally covers everything that's happening today. Everything. Because they know better. Which they like to pretend we know better, like they're representing you, but that's not what's happening. The government is the one doing this. The government, you know, the very same governments that stand up and say, we're not going to impose our will on the rest of the world, except let us impose our will on everybody else under this guy's and this guy's and this guy's freedom and democracy, a shooting, a protest. Yeah, but we're not going to do it, though. We'll just pretend there's a justification for why we have to. The forlorn hero. Oh, I don't want to murder everybody, but we got to for freedom. And people buy it because two-party illusion. But this is a great little image that I think is important. Wall Street silver shares. Fact check. True. (laughs) Just because there's a problem, it doesn't mean the government should do anything. Now, take a minute and actually think about this. When I read this for a second, I was like, that's interesting. You know I agree with this. I don't think government should exist for the most part. Wrap your mind around that. And I genuinely mean that. But the point is, think about what that actually says. This is actually wildly contradictory to a lot of people's perspective today. And I definitely think that that's by design. But think about it, because the first place, a lot of people would say, what What do you mean? Of course they should. We pay their taxes and they are derived. Okay. But ask yourself, how often in the past has the actions, even if they're using tax dollars to do it, have in fact become the problem? Or at the very least made it worse. You know, a la COVID-19 vaccination or COVID-19 in general or any other thing we're pointing at. And most of them, by the way, you might become be shocked to realize wasn't them clumsily screwing up, but in fact, pretending to clumsily screw up while executing exactly what they want. Either way, guys, just because there's a problem, especially when that problem was manufactured by the government, it doesn't mean the government should do anything about it. The reality is the government should have been something that simply upholds the Constitution. And that's it. It's grown so far out of control, it's become exactly the exactly the thing the Founding Fathers said we should avoid. In fact, the very thing that they designed this government, the, the Constitution, to stop from happening. Except we got complacent, or rather they manipulated us over and over and over, the, you know, all the way here. But this is a statement that we should think about and continue to remember. Lastly, I just think it's important to recognize... As this gets into the concept of how this is being used, and this is the next part, well, Twitter, and then the part, the same, Twitter's the part of this conversation next about words, violence, and how this is working before we finish with COVID-19, is that January 6th, I genuinely believe was a false flag attempt to get people to take the bait so that it could be used. Actually, you know what? I'm going to play this clip right now anyway. Brian and I, all this stuff, my conversation with Brian from High Impact Flicks today is very much flavoring what I'm doing today. And I think it's, it's it, we, we, we brought this clip up and it was very interesting. We hadn't talked about this for a while. We were both like laughing about how ridiculous this clip is. You might have seen this, the Washington Institute. Okay, but, and, I'll, and I'll come back to this January 6th discussion. The idea being you could make a real argument not because some ex cia officer said so but but you know that too but because of the actual history and what they've admitted to that literally every single war in this history, country's history has been started by a false flag or at the very least an allowed problem that they then capitalize on i mean you could talk, frame it however you'd like but it's dishonest and i think that's what this was meant to be I believe this January 6th effort was meant to be something that happened so they could justify whatever was supposed to come next. And they're still trying to use it, but it's falling apart because it's not what they expected. 
You can't call it an armed insurrection when there was no weapons. Yet they still stupidly say that because the narrative maintained, even though the, the agenda fell apart. This is the point here is that it's, 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 I guess they're now breaking news, revealing something we've already known since the first couple of weeks of this that we talked about on our show because of recorded document uh, um, exchanges between the Capitol Police and Pelosi's office. I mean, it's all on the record, guys. But it, this is true that Pelosi's office was directly involved with shutting down more people coming and the plan from beforehand. And I think this was designed this way. But let's play this clip and we'll come back to this. Now, what you're going to see here is the Washington Institute and Patrick Clausen outlining for you how every war in this country's history has begun, or the ones he lists at the very least, with an event that was either allowed to happen or made to happen so they could justify their later actions. I frankly think that crisis initiation is really tough. And it's very hard for me to see how the United States uh, president can get us to war with Iran. Now, this clip has been played and discussed many times over. I mean, this is as real as it gets. Just the beginning of this crisis initiation. I mean, think about that statement alone. The idea is that crisis is not supposed to be something you want. Americans wouldn't argue your government initiates crises, do they? Do, was that what you would argue? Clearly not. So what they're, this is either something they never expected to be public or just didn't think would ever become mainstream enough to have this kind of conversation. He's lit. Wait till it gets worse if you haven't seen this. But just to start off by saying, you know, just tough to get to. How are we going to get to war with Iran? If you don't think at this point your government is actively trying to create situations where they get Iran to take the bait so they can justify more action, which has happened in every single country we're talking about, then you're just not listening. They're telling you what they do when they tell you who they are. Listen. Crisis initiation. This is called manufacturing consent. This is called problem reaction solution. All these different terms we've discussed. This is this is creating the justification for you to take action. Crisis initiation is really tough. And it's very hard for me to see how the United States uh, president can get us to war with Iran. Because that's the plan. Um, which leads me to conclude that if, in fact, compromise is not coming, that the traditional way of Amer America gets to war is what would be best for U.S. interests. The traditional way America gets to war, because you realize this is something they're trying to accomplish. That's not even off the net. That's exactly what they're talking about. Is what's best for American interests. So just think about that again. So the, 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 the traditional way the U.S. gets to war is what's best for America? Right. So the interests, rather the government interests. So if it's in the best interest of the government, go to war. Because, you know, who cares about the, the lives that we'll lose in this process? Because they don't think about that. Uh, some people might think that Mr. Roosevelt wanted to get us into World War II, as David mentioned. You may recall we had to wait for Pearl Harbor. Wait for Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor was a false flag. If you don't think so, you need to do your research because the history has been exposed. All of the information about that they knew things were coming. Now, you could argue that the intent is debatable about whether there was different intent about why it was what the bottom line was. They had information. They waited. You could argue all day about why. But the point is that they allowed people to die. To capitalize on what happened next. This is the history of Pearl Harbor. This is a fact. And in fact, if you really want to get personal with it, my great grandfather was there. 
and I've talked about this a long time ago in the in a while ago. And he he to the day he died, he was convinced that this was allowed to happen. You don't have to take my word for that. In fact, I I hope you don't because you don't know for sure. But the point is that my great my great grandfather was it my my great 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 grandfather? Yeah. He was he I mean he told the story almost every Thanksgiving when I was younger. And he would he would argue he would tell, tell me the the story about going out, waking it up on the weekend as we know the story and and being confused about why they were going out and they took out most all the ships they had. They didn't do anything. They basically sat out there. We and we now know this part of the story before we didn't though. And they returned and it had happened. I had friends that died. The bottom line is that this is a very clear reality of how these things have been used, either letting it happen or creating it. Some people might think Mr. Wilson wanted to get us into World War I. You may recall he had to wait for the Lusitania episode. Another false Some slide. people might think that Mr. Johnson wanted to send troops to Vietnam. You may recall he had to wait for the Gulf of Tonkin episode. Another false flag. I mean, these are historically verified, guys. Uh, we didn't go to war with Spain until the USS, uh, yes. until the Maine exploded. <laughs> and may I point out that Mr. Lincoln did not feel he could call out the Federal Army until Fort Sumter was attacked. Fort Sumter, going all the way back to Lincoln, guys. These are, and, and what he says next is not debatable. Which is why he ordered the commander at Fort Sumter to do exactly that thing, which the South Carolinians had said would cause an attack. Okay, so that's what we're dealing with today. That's the red line. That's Russia. That's exactly why he did the thing that they said if he did, that would cause conflict. So what did he do? He did that thing because they wanted conflict. And then when it happened, that gave them the justification to do what they wanted to do. I mean, this is as clear as it gets. There's no debating that. So if you can't think for one second that this same entity, these same people who are still in these think tanks and still involved in the government are not actively planning the same things about, you know, crossing those red lines. So Russia freaks out and they go, oh, look, that's Russia, even though they knew they did it to drive action from them, which means it was their beginning. They started it. They created what happened. Doesn't You can't go going from there. You can continue to always hold people accountable for their actions. Russia is culpable for their actions like any government would be. But what started it? What was driving it? Would this have happened if they hadn't done that? So if, in fact, the Iranians aren't going to compromise, it would be best if somebody else started the war. <laughs> One can combine other means of pressure with sanctions. Uh, I mentioned that explosion uh, on August 17th. Uh, we could step up the pressure. Okay, so we could cause more explosions. It's pretty clear. I mean, look, people, Iranian submarines periodically go down. Someday one of them might not come up. Who would know why? Who would know why? They all laugh. Ha ha ha. Great. So we're not laughing about the death of the Iranian soldiers on the submarine or the fact that you're causing them to, you know, lose a million dollar submarine. No, no it's, just, it's just hilarious because we all know this is what we do. And it's like, I can't believe this is not this. This is the example of like everything else we're talking about, how you can talk openly on corporate media about how JFK was assassinated by the CIA. And we all just move forward because we live in a false reality, guys. This is what they're doing. We know it. It's all there. And yet we get dragged down into the garbage two-party paradigm debate and nothing gets anywhere and we continue forward and that's i mean at this point i'm wondering if it's even a fraction of of like if it's a very 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 slim minority of people that represent the two-party illusion they just don't tell us that they highlight that as the only thing that matters and we all pretend like we're the conspiracy theorists i just don't see how everybody can't see who these people are we can do a variety of things if we wish to increase the pressure i'm not advocating that Coral, but I'm just not. suggesting oh, that uh, it, it, it's, this, this is not a, a either or proposition of, you know, it's just sanctions has to has to succeed or other things. We are in the game. 
of using covert means against the Iranians. We, we could get nastier with that. But I'm not advocating it, though. No, I'm not advocating it, but we could do it, though. <laughs> Great. Well done, sir. Like, I mean, it, obviously they're aware peripherally that this, this is clear. I just don't think they ever thought that. I mean, who knows why? The bottom line is, guys, that's as clear as it gets. And here is another example of this exact clumsy effort being done again. The point is this, to take it to the next level. January 6th, I believe, was very clearly that. Now I'll include this as well. January 6th. It's an important uh, article as it loads. The failed false flag meant to blame Russia and you using the CIA grown Azov movement. But this this article discusses how they now have more emails and texts showing Pelosi's office directly involved with the January 6th issue. The If you read this for yourself, the bottom line is they were directly talking with they the Pelosi's office was involved with changing the plan beforehand. They were involved with it afterward. They were as we talked about right in the beginning of this, they were on the phone back and forth and they were being requested more people. And Pelosi's office said no more than once. This is all on the record. And yet now they lie about that. And that's all in this article. They lie to you because they're caught. And all happens is the, the side defending them says Republican conspiracy theory. And the other side says, well, it's right here on the record. Oh, fake news. And it's nothing ever happens. No accountability ever. Right. Here's evidence. The Clinton Foundation is pay to play evidence, 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 evidence. What are we going to do? Absolutely nothing here. The CIA killed JFK. What are we going to do? Nobody seems to care because as long as they tell you, well, you know about it now. It's your fault. We didn't do anything about it. Right. It's where it's all going. Well, on the Twitter side of this, because I think Twitter, I'm very concerned about how Twitter could be used in this exact way. But for those that didn't see it, very, very, very confusingly, the next day, so in a series of three days, I got the account back. It got deleted about a little more than 24 hours later under the guise of being, uh, it was, oh, here, I'll, actually, I'll include this show for that exact reason. So I have to go through all of it again. I hope you guys can go through the show for yourselves because I made some really important points here that ref that are relevant, not just for me personally, but for anybody involved with the censorship and the, what's going on with Twitter and, and how people are still being censored. I'll show you next and so on. But we are banned again. There we go. After a little more than 24 hours later, and then again, the next day after that, it suddenly popped back up. And I think that was a little more, maybe two days later. I forget the timing of On December 22nd, I said, okay, it appears Elon Musk and Twitter have now, for the second time, reversed my permanent suspension. That's hilarious. So I guess this could have been a glitch or whatever else we might want to assume. Certainly possible. Maybe it's the FBI. Maybe it's an old Twitter employee. Or it's Elon Musk, right? I mean, all of it has to be possible if we don't know. So I guess this could have been those. Or I am going to expect the worst. Hope for the best. I'm, I mean, what's funny on this quick, on a quick side note is I'm getting all these comments and people emailing stuff going like, what will make you happy? Ryan's never satisfied. And it's like, well, wait a minute here. I, it's not fair just because things change to argue that I need to suddenly shift my opinion. What you're really saying when you say that, you know, that now I got my account back and I'm still upset. Well, guess what that means? That I'm being consistent. That I said in the beginning that I have concerns about this. Whether or not I got my account back, I get my account back. And you guys, well, you're still not happy. It's like, well, because I didn't say that was the only thing that mattered. So I'm still consistent. If, if I suddenly went, oh, it's all good now. Twitter's safe. Thanks, Elon. That would be ridiculously hypo hypocritical. But that's what they wanted from me. You got your account back. Stop bitching about it. Oh, excuse me. But so my point is, I've been consistent this whole time. 
then it got taken away again. And I said the same things. I said, well, and to me, that was like, well, here's more evidence. Now I got it back. And guess what? I'm still saying the same thing because the, my mindset has not changed. I don't think we can sell for sure what's really going on. I think none of the transparency has been even remotely there. The process is non-existent. Twitter files are based on sc screenshots and text, but all of that could be backed up by things behind it. And it all could be like, could be accurate. The point is we don't know. In fact, I argue most of what we've seen aligns perfectly with what I've already thought was going on based on other evidence. So I'm not even saying I disagree with it. I'm just saying that we don't know. And anybody acting like screenshots, even of a document, by the way, are enough, are not honest or don't care. I mean, I shouldn't say it that absolutely because maybe they just don't realize I don't know. The point is, at the end of the day, look, let's just take the one I saw on the one of the last ones. They had a screenshot of an entire document, which is the best I've seen so far. It's what what it's the difference between having that one page or, you know, the entire document. So you can see the entire document. What's what was before what was after it. So you can come to your own conclusions. Maybe there's more to it. Or maybe not. I'm not saying it has to be that way. My point, though, is that it's really frustrating to me that so many people, even people that I respect, have just gone full blow into this Twitter files argument as if we know now. I just think it's dangerous, and I think we're being trained to take information through an intermediary, whether that be Matt Taibbi or somebody, anybody. We shouldn't, and, and I think I'm concerned that, I mean, this, you know what would make this far more efficient, or, or not efficient, but it would, it would, it would make what I, if I think, what, if what I think is correct, if they came out and said, here's all the evidence, you know, like a year later, here's the entire database to prove what we were saying last year. All that would do is solidify in the minds of the people that chose to trust them before they knew for sure that they were right to do so. That would almost make sense. Like that would, but, but, and, and then the next time could be the lie. The next time could be, or they could be wrong, but people are already trusting it. Anyway, the point is they did unsuspend this and they said, after further review, we have unsuspended your account. And this, by the way, is just, a, this was not a seven day suspension that went away. They, they, permanently suspended it and then a day later we're like oh well, we looked at it and we're unsuspending it your account is now unsuspended we appreciate your patience so good so i i will give them benefit of the doubt in this concept because i've got it back but i still don't trust the process i don't trust elon musk i don't trust where this is going i don't trust that they have the, your best interest at heart so here's lisa booth saying after looking at the twitter files or what she means is screenshots and text that you're assuming are everything you're looking at are we a free country or is it an illusion and this is just, God, I mean, I could go off forever about the argument. It's just as if it's binary. You know, I, anyway, my point is, tell me when they actually release the files, and I'll tell you what I think they show. Until then, screenshots and text should not be enough for anyone. Even though that doesn't, that they're still interesting, and we, should be, we can talk about them, we can discuss, but it has to come along with a caveat, in my opinion, that these are unverified. If you need someone else to tell you the two-party illusion is an authoritarian, anti-freedom concept, you're not, you're not paying attention. Right. I mean, come on, guys. And this is the problem. This is Fox News right here. And everybody's playing the game. I, if you want to understand more in depth about the real concerning psyop this is, uh, Whitney had a great uh, uh, inter um, podcast interview with James Corbett. And it's, it's called Behind the Twitter Files Hype on Limited Hangout. Check it out for yourself. It's a great discussion. And on top of that, I believe Whitney, Derek, myself, and Corbett are going to be on a panel about Twitter stuff specifically in the beginning of January. I believe Derek just asked me and I said I would love to join. So I believe that'll be happening in the beginning of January. So we'll see. Now, here 
is the interesting development. And this is why I wasn't even going to get into Twitter stuff today. But this, this is why I included it, because this is exactly what I expected. This is the FBI responds to Twitter, the Twitter files by blaming, quote, conspiracy theorists and saying it's, quote, misinformation. Now, what's frustrating about this is, Mike, I, 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 if I was going to take this, I think the information being presented is accurate. I've said that from the beginning. The point is, though, I don't know for sure um, that exactly what they're showing is exactly the reality because they haven't given us source material to back it up for ourselves. That being said, it's frustrating because now when they go misinformation, I'm forced to stand back and be like, well, I don't know for sure because they haven't given us all the tools to make sure that's the case. I don't think so, though. And in fact, I think it's already been proven in other ways before we ever got to the Twitter file psyop that these things were happening, like that we knew the governments were paying and influencing and involved with censorship. We knew all this stuff, guys. It's even been proven before. But the and when this stuff gets proven, yes, that'll be exponentially more important. But what's problematic here is they're now that because they're not including the source material, it gives them the, the in to be able to make this argument. And however you spin this, it simply becomes, if anybody's doing this, they're a conspiracy theorist and spreading misinformation. Okay, that's one part. Because what happens next is they then conflate those things with violence, criminal activity. That by doing so, you're threatening our democracy. That you're a terrorist. All of these things have been laid out in Biden's executive order about domestic terrorism. Misinformation is completely conflated with domestic terrorism right there in his order. So listen to this and be concerned about how I believe we're all being set up. Now we are getting our first response from the FBI to the Twitter file dumps. The statement reads, the correspondence between the FBI and Twitter show nothing more than examples of our traditional longstanding and ongoing federal government and private sector engagements. <laughs> I just love that. I'm like, I don't think that says what you think it says, FBI. You, I, I feel like going, yeah, exactly. That's the point. It shows what you always do, which is completely immerse yourself with these companies and influence the outcome and, and tell. I mean, it's it's just funny that they would say that this correspondence shows nothing more than examples of our traditional longstanding ongoing federal government pr pr practice. OK, yes, that's what we don't like. It's as if that says that that means, therefore, it can't be bad because it's what we always do. And it's the way they love to present themselves as beyond reproach. What they're doing in this case is a problem. I just love the way they say that as if just because it's normal, therefore it can't be. <laughs> it just made me laugh. Traditional, longstanding and ongoing federal government and private sector engagements, which involve numerous companies over multiple sectors and industries. As evidenced in the correspondence, the FBI provides critical information to the private sector in an effort to allow them to protect themselves and their customers. The men and women of the FBI work every day to protect the American public. It is what, what they're basically talking about right there is exactly the crux of the point about say, you know, so when they say this person's a danger because of whatever misinformation, because of threats that, that, that they're leaning on these platforms to take action. That's what they mean by protect themselves and their customers. But in fact, you're focusing on their customers. You just only are, you argue that you're protecting everybody else by making this happen. But see this, all this has come out long before the Twitter files, by the way, but we know that this has been happening. So all they're basically saying is that's not a problem. We're doing it because we always do. It's unfortunate that conspiracy theorists and others are feeding the American public misinformation with the sole purpose of attempting to discredit the agency. That, Justin. John? 
That's very interesting, right? Because again, the point comes back to, I mean, let's just, for sake of conversation, let's say all the source material has been presented with the Twitter files, all of it. Would they say the same thing, you think? I don't know. Because I think that the problem here is that they're pretending like this is misinformation. But first of all, I think it's blatantly obvious that this was happening long before Twitter files. But assuming that those things are backed up by source material, which I do think they are. The point is I would only wait for them because that's what anybody should do, being honest. That ultimately, what they're showing can't really be denied. Like, it's just, it's strange that they would act like this is somehow fueling what you did was coercive and manipulative. And you were focusing on Americans and suppressing their freedom of speech and many other things based on subjective, I mean, the, all sorts of political leanings. But the problem here is that what they're saying is that that is misinformation and it leaves it up in the air because the people on the left are going to say that's the case because, you know, because it's a bunch of screenshots and text, even though they're not really saying that, which is interesting. I just I feel like this has been set up exactly the way it is for this exact reason. Just my opinion. But I'm concerned because what this does is create a situation where anybody engaging in, a, in an honest way, arguably not not the Twitter files, but about information coming out and trying to get to the bottom of it is going to be framed as dangerous to our democracy. That's what they're setting up here. Here's Bill Gates speaking up and saying Elon Musk Twitter is stirring up digital polarization. I mean, what a dumb thing to say, like as if Elon Musk and what he's been doing is any more polarizing than what everybody else is doing. And in fact, I would argue it's just as polarizing and probably for the same reasons. But of course, it's different because it's it's just it's just they want you to think this is a problem. And what you're seeing is the rise of the dangerous white supremacist MAGA threat and whatever else they're saying. That's just how this is being framed. Very clumsily, I might add. Now, it's an interesting article. Daily Mail. Spooks infiltrate Silicon Valley. (laughs) Shocking. As as if we didn't know this already. Facebook is riddled with ex-CIA agents, including President's briefer, who now runs harmful content team. So even Facebook's ridiculous, but so many ex-FBI work at Twitter, they have Slack channel and Google is rife with ex-CIA. So I guess just so we're clear, they're talking about right now. So I I bet you there's some of these we're talking about that maybe have been, but I mean, the point is we have no idea. We have no transparency. Elon says things are happening or doing this or doing that, and we don't know for sure. I don't know why in the world we would think this military contractor is not completely immersed with all of this and why we would think that these people would just suddenly be no longer there the moment that he buys this. This is the case right now. That's the point that the FBI, the CIA, the point is, guys, I think the real point to walk away with is all these social media platforms are the government. They are the so in, intelligence apparatus that's watching and, and collecting data. That's what this is. Alongside your ability to sh- tweet what you ate that day or whatever right that's this is what it's all about and i think it's still happening and on top of that censorship is still happening and i argue it didn't really stop i think that's the illusion but some of the republicans are catching on as beard vet points out looks like elon gave twitter back to the feds by the way beard vet has some great products you should check it out he's a great if you have a beard some great stuff there and it does support vets the point though guys is that Why would he say it gave it back to the feds? Well, suddenly because there's censorship. Well, why wouldn't we just ask, maybe Elon's doing that, or could he do that? Because the problem is a lot of Republicans have already decided that that's not what's happening. Therefore, when it happens, well, it must be the FBI. It's the same game that happened with Trump. I was saying this before, where you just give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, we know he wouldn't do this, so therefore there must be a reason that we don't see. Well, that's not really honest, right? Engage with the data that we have. 
it's possible that there's feds or something else happening. Or one of the options on the table is that he's always been censoring. Or another third option is that he suddenly started to do so now, and he hasn't before. I think it's clear that it's the middle option. that he, The censorship has never stopped. I've shown you many examples of this. There's still doctors that never came back. There's new people suddenly being censored. JR points out, where in the world did you come up with Elon gave Twitter back to the feds? You better come up with a good source so you're not getting a Christmas present from me. It's just funny that, you know, so we're totally okay to not take source from anything that we agree with, but we challenge Elon and you better have a source for that. Gotta love that. Several accounts got suspended, apparently, Joni points out. At least one got suspended after posting about Zelensky and Ukraine last night. They can appeal this. They can appeal the suspension, which we all know that. That's, that's the given reality. Now, here's the examples of this. Colin Rugg points out, Conservative Twitter accounts are apparently being suspended for speaking out against Zelensky's speech last night. You know, the speech that everybody thought was ridiculous, where they were, where, you know, the one we just went over, right? In, the, in Congress, where they held a big flag. And, and by the way, that also happened, I think, in Slovakia, if I remember correctly. And they just sh- pulled the flag down and shut it away. And, you know, it's ridiculous to pretend like this is not the most obvious propaganda stunt we've ever seen. But he says, is, is the FBI still working at Twitter, Elon Musk? And Musk says, which accounts? And he says, some accounts are back, but here's the list I have. Now, let's check a couple of them. This one is the one I'm surprised. Let's see if it's back. So this one does seem to be back already. So clearly things have shifted. So based on just the way it is right now, right? The fact that this is how quick this happened. So this was 18 hours ago, he says, which accounts? And then let's see if let's see if they're all back. Oh, you know what? We can just look right here. It just pops up, I think. Back. Start at the bottom. Back. Back, back. Okay, so what it looks like to me, and this is a good, this is a good, a good sign, right? That they all got brought back pretty quickly. So if I had to guess, unless this is just some kind of a game to make us think certain things, it's certainly possible that he did see this and he didn't wasn't aware of it, which is something to think about, right? That he's not that a lot's going on that he's not aware of, which makes sense. And when he got shown, they brought him back, which would suggest that there is something weird going on. Maybe there is FBI involved. I don't know. But it also could just be that because they got highlighted by popular and well-seen people that he just brought those ones back to make it look like something was happening. They're all possible. I keep seeing this happen where it's like, you know, we all shouted about where's Dr. Peter McCullough and Dr. Malone, even though there was, you know, thousand other doctors that should be included in that list. They were the ones people were pointing at and they're the two that got brought back. And it's like, well, wait a minute. What about Andrew Boston? And what about all the rest of them? You know, and it's, it's interesting that it seems to be kind of like a drip process based on what people are pointing at either way. You can see that they were pointing at the Ukraine conversation. Jack Basovic pointed out that Twitter has locked Alex for 12 hours. Why? For posting a comment about the Ukrainian flag in Congress. So whether or not Elon corrected this, the fact that this happened is very concerning. Now, again, I'll give you the possibility that it could be, and it does seem that way, the way that he responded, some problematic employee or whatever else we want to assume. We won't know for sure. You can see that all he said was Americans. I wish we had leaders who who put our country first. That's it. And he gets blocked for 12 hours. Like, my God, that's really concerning. You can't even question what they're doing anymore. Like, or at least whoever did this. Right. And it was was definitely locked. It was locked when I looked at it before. And there's not uh, Michael J. Morrison points out Twitter locked his good friend, the Bradford file, without giving him a reason. Just nothing. (laughs) It's very strange. This one is uh, another person did the same point. It just said, this picture makes me want Russia to win. And they locked him. It's strange. Here's Olivia Rondo. Same point. Doesn't even say why. 
This is all happening in real time, guys. Very, very concerning. Oh, wait. Is it the same one? Hmm. Did I have it twice? I hope I didn't miss something. That's weird. Oh, well. Okay. I think I missed something. In any, in any case, last point on Ukraine. And, this, and keep and keep in your mind the point we're, we're kind of running with here. The idea that they're floating the idea that all of what's happening on Twitter is going to create more problems, right? That ultimately your, your, your digital polarization is what's driving hate speech and, uh, you know, whatever else they're trying to push with the idea. That's where this is all going. But before we move past that, I just want to make an interesting point here is that this is the kind of stuff they're pointing like, so on, on Twitter, I believe what's happening on a small degree the game of training us to take an intermediary or basically take at face value what's presented without source material. It, I mean, that's been a problem for a long time, but it's very clearly influencing far more people right now. Now, we've all seen this image that's been floating around, right? This is uh, America Real News or whatever it is. It's a, very, it's a conservative channel, not corporate media, which is funny because he just goes, for those who said it was Photoshopped, well, just because it's on this, they he for that therefore it means it's real. <laughs> That's a very uh, why we what we all love to assume. And I don't know why. The problem is that it was photoshopped though, and by all you really need to do is look at how how odd his arm is and how weirdly long it is to clearly tell that it's been photoshopped. Okay, and it has been photoshopped. You can just do a reverse image search and find it. But this person saying for all those who said it was photoshopped, here's a group on TV talking about because that proves it, doesn't it? But so interesting. My point is not even that, though. By the way, here it is. You can see right down here. And I looked this up as well. Here's the original. What's interesting is that this is a conservative, a conservative channel. Amer uh, it's right here at the end. It's a uh, real America's voice is what it's called. OK. And apparently they don't even care to fat to do your due diligence on this. They're talking about this on TV. And this guy's going so as far as to, to share. Look at all the look at the engagement. Because that proves it. Listen to your listen for yourselves. Then we'll then we'll talk about it. Like that, the photographer. Oh my God! Look at, look at, at really that. Oh, and excuse the guy. The guy is filming this from his TV, so you can hear him talking about it. But you can hear them basically saying that the way his butt looks and the, the image it looks like it is real. It's just like that, the photographer. Oh my really God! Look at, look at, it. Look at really, that. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it really. This does is going to be my post of the day here. I mean, if you look at Zelensky's butt, like it really does look that way. So I don't know what happened, Seriously. but hopefully somebody's going like, <laughs> it's okay. You know, basically what they're saying is that, you know, like the, the cameraman caught it. Like, so they're literally going over this as if they don't know, which why in the world would you do that without looking it up first? It would take 10 seconds, probably because they like to be able to talk about it from a conservative angle to make Biden look dumb. But what you're doing clearly is choosing to not research it so you can talk about it as if it might be real even though it takes 10 seconds to look at then it gets shared by people like this as if therefore that makes it real because they talked about it you see my point like so these are gigantic outlets on tv that aren't even trying to do the due diligence and that spreads and everybody goes look see i told you it's so easy to do a quick re tin eye is the easiest way to do stuff like this it's a quick reverse image search and you can find the originals I don't support these people. Biden is a war criminal. They're all terrible people. That guy's a... The bottom line is, the truth matters. And we need to be better than this. And, the, and people are being trained through Twitter right now to be okay with what they're shown because of the person they think they can trust. Like this, like these people right here. 
It's alarming. Now, if you aside from COVID misinformation and so on, well, I, well, let's put it this way. There's other reasons people are being arrested, threatened, because they're spreading misinformation. It's not just COVID. But on top of all of that, this is not just the beginning of this now. It's not like discussion today is not just because of the new things we're going to get into. This has been going on since the beginning of COVID-19. And this is an article and and an interview that went kind of viral. And the problem is that people cut pieces of the interview out that then went viral and didn't want to share the link. God knows why everyone wants to run away from the last American vagabond. They sure love the content. They don't like to give us credit. The point, though, is that Dr. Thomas Bender was arrested for speaking the truth about COVID-19. He was forcefully medicated and arrested and held in a psychiatric ward. The guy is right. Provably correct. My point, though, is this has been weaponized from the beginning, and now they're starting to roll back into this in another aggressive way, but broadening it out, and it's very concerning. I hope you will check out this interview, How Psychology Was Weaponized to Suppress Truth in the Age of COVID. It's an important conversation. Here's Dr. Peter McCullough. WHO propaganda falling flat. Data clearly shows those who deferred on unproven products are consistently doing much better than those who ill-advised took risks promoted by governments so what he's saying is people who took the injections are faring far worse than people who never took anything pretty obvious right now heart damage blood clots neurological syndromes unfortunately must be added to the orange bars which means they're not but you can see just in scotland the overwhelming problem blue being unvaccinated orange being vaccinated but he's referencing the point about WHO propaganda versus data because it just came out. And I just talked about this, by the way, that the WHO, along with Mr. Hotez, are not just labeling unvaccinated people a major killing force globally, but unvaccinated activism. Far more concerning, guys, far more concerning. Oops, I'll keep that open, actually. Because what that means is your words, not what? I know it. That's crazy. Look at that. See, I am following him. You see that? Look, more of this kind of stuff happening. Anyway, point is, your words, as in advocating for the concept of maybe asking questions, maybe, you know, waiting a beat until we have more long-term safety data, otherwise known as crazy conspiracy theorist anti-vaxxers, Just you having those words, your activism on it is a killing force globally. You can't miss what that says. Your words are killing people. Now, it's only a very short action away from them making that a crime. In fact, they arguably they could argue it already is if they want to just conflate them. It's just about them acting on it. So here's the article itself. WHO labels unvaccinated people a major killing force globally. You can read it for yourself. The point is what we just talked about. Here's the video itself. And this is a direct quote from Peter Hotez. Anti-vaccine activism, which again, just simply means right now, anybody willing to ask questions or point out the problems has now become a major killing force globally. That is the most important point today that they're literally saying you talking about this stuff is a major killing force globally. You can't miss that point. That is concerning. That's not the one. That's strange. Let's see. There it is. Oh, I did have it. It's at the bottom. There you go. 
have to recognize that anti-vaccine activism, which I actually call anti-science aggression, is not. You see my point right there. Anti-science aggression. So now you're conflating. Look, I mean, think about just that step right there. So activism is now aggression. Like that's directly what he said. So anti-vaccine activism, which just simply means you are advocating for what you believe is anti-science aggression. They're not even trying to hide this anymore. That's the most clumsy association I've ever seen. And the only reason they think that makes sense and some people buy it is because they've been convinced that if an, that whatever you call an anti-vaxxer is a dangerous conspiracy theorist, terror, white supremacist mania, whatever. Whatever you want to scoop up into it, an anti-vaxxer is the biggest threat of today. Even though what we're calling anti-vaxxer in many cases are people that have three shots in their body who only now realize it's bad and are standing up and trying to advocate for concern, even though they're totally on board with ever the vaccine under the sun. But they get called anti-vaccine activists or, anti- or anti-science aggressors. My God, this couldn't be more clear. We have to recognize that anti-vaccine activism, which I actually call anti-science aggression, has now become a major killing force globally. During the COVID pandemic in the United States, 200,000 Americans needlessly lost their lives because they refused a COVID vaccine. I mean, look, I mean, see, that is the most inappropriate statement. How would you possibly pretend you know that? See, the people don't even need to verify what they're saying. So now you're going to argue that just therefore they didn't get it and that's why they died? How do you know that? Because right now, well, look, there's plenty of people with the vaccine that died too. You know, are you going to factor that in? How do you know they couldn't, wouldn't have died otherwise? The argument, I guarantee you, their logic is that these people were unvaccinated and they died. Therefore, they would have been saved if they got the vaccine. You know as well as I, that's their garbage logic. And on top of that, how much you want to bet more than half of those had one shot in their body, but they got dumped into the under, unvaccinated category because that's what they do within 21 days. And I'll make that point clear in a moment. All of this matters and you know it or the PCR test and all the other scams and illusions they're running. Even after vaccines became widely available and now yeah, they- otherwise known as choice. But they don't like choice. Anti-vaccine activism is expanding across the world, even into low and middle income countries. Now, let me ask you this. When it becomes, and I argue it already is, the majority, isn't that democracy? Aren't they then obligated to comply with what we all agree is the reality? But no, you see, because we don't live in that reality. We live in in an illusion where they pretend what we think and say influences the outcome. It's not the reality. You see that every single day. More, I mean, the vast majority of this country believes cannabis should be legalized. They don't care. We don't live in a democracy. We don't live in a republic. We don't live in any form of anything other than an authoritarian government rule. They decide what we get to do. That's not how this is supposed to work. But that's what we're trying to show you here today. In, amongst other things, <laughs> right? That they, We are in a situation where they don't care what we think. I just want us to really reflect on that point because right now I believe we're already there. And you could look at this in, in a Congress setting or any other situation. If suddenly tomorrow... of people thought that these things were killing people. They wouldn't stop anyway because they've decided what they know is right and that we're misinformed. That's why they keep this narrative going. We're just confused and it's okay. We'll take care of you. We know you've been misinformed. But does that even matter? Especially since they could be wrong and they are wrong because democracy is simply mob rule. It's whatever the majority thinks, but we don't even live in that. That's the crazy part. It's a killing force. Anti-science now kills more people than things like gun violence, global terrorism, nuclear proliferation, or cyber attacks. Wow. And- 
wow, think about the, I mean, what a ridiculous statement. How do you possibly quantify that? Anti-science? So what, you looked up every possible scientific discussion, and then you made some kind of weird algorithmic metric to find out that if they have that opinion, that it translates into this many deaths? Like, that's just the stupidest possible thing. And nobody cares to push back on people like this in the corporate discussion. That should be laughed out of discussion. Anti-science, right? The point is, he's calling anti-science anything he disagrees with, even if you have a logical stance. Are we not allowed to ask questions? They frame anybody questioning this as anti-science, even the scientists, because it's that stupid. Now it's become a political movement. In the U.S., it's linked to far extremism on the far right. Aha, it's linked to foreign extremism. This guy is patching the whole thing together for you. Okay, so now the anti-science rhetoric is now to collinked to some foreign entity? Welcome your vanilla ISIS psyop. Welcome all of it tying together. All we need now is some kind of a biological act that ties the whole damn thing together. I've been saying this from the beginning, and God only hopes that doesn't happen. But just, I mean, think about how transparent this is. This little clip shows you everything we've been telling you was going to come together since the beginning of this. Name in Germany. So this is a new face of anti-science aggression. And so we need political solutions to address this. I love how he says it's all political. It's, it's science, but they make it political. But then we need political solutions. <laughs> right. I don't even it's like these people are just dumb sometimes. And it just it's, it's absurd. But they're the ones. trying. But he's got his white coat on, though, guys. Can you tell? Because that means he's serious. Just like Zelensky's got his green coat, green shirt. He's got his white coat on all the time, no matter what. Because he's serious and he's real. Trust that. Obviously, I'm joking for the podcast. Now, here is a really alarming direction step, or step in this direction. As Gareth Ike points out, so it begins. And this is a genuine step. Like a real, this is now taking what just got spoken by Otez and in Australia, taking a real step in the direction of criminal action, or rather police action, under the guise that you're committing a crime by saying these things. Oh, this is just so I so I'm, I'll play you the clip. I forgot I included this. What they're making fun of that the clip is basically Australian police saying, if you hear somebody cons say something conspiracy theory about COVID or anti-government or whatever, call crime busters and report them because they're committing a crime. This is no joke. And this person says, I recall this meme from the beginning of the pandemic. Guy looking at his window says, yeah, I'd like to report some people not living in fear. It's perfect. Here it is. Australians versus the agenda post this. If you see anyone posting anti-government, anti-police, or anti-conspiracy, or, or excuse me, or COVID conspiracy theory rhetoric, call Crime Stoppers. I mean, guys, this is a real serious shift. Because if you can be arrested and locked up, for saying what they have labeled not allowed. I mean, that's everything we're concerned about. That is everything we are warning about. We've got other specialist teams involved, like our covert online team, uh, evidence extraction experts, our forensic police. We also have involved our security and counterterrorism teams. And the reason that they're involved is that they are uh, skilled at looking at um, motivation between uh, motivation of why people do things like we saw last monday right so now they're conflating very early in the conversation co misinformation around covid19 and terrorism 
Like, so what's the connection there? It doesn't even matter. Well, because misinformation leads to people taking crazy action. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? I mean, certainly possible, but that's just completely abstract. What's the mechanism there? So anytime somebody has misinformation, they're possibly a terrorist. I mean, it just becomes it's, it's completely subjective. They are literally saying that misinformation is or can be terrorism. And that if they now misinform, call the police because we saw what happened in New Zealand. I mean, my God. So they're skilled at looking at things like religiously motivated extremism, ideological motivated extremism, issue motivated extremism, grievance fueled violence, and even pathological uh, fueled violence. So they're assisting the investigation centre and the ethical standards command. Are you broadly concerned, I guess, after seeing something like this, with an attack on police and the rise in kind of conspiracy theories since the start of COVID? Is that something that police are concerned about? She asked about the rise in conspiracy theories. It's really low that she answers. Of course, of course. Uh, and right across the country, I mean, my part of my role is in counterterrorism and um, and, and we meet uh, nationally uh, with the Australian New Zealand Counterterrorism Committee and discuss these issues uh, regularly. So we do um, investigate and monitor people who sh demonstrate and we know show concerning behaviour. So just, I mean, there's no misunderstanding. Is this even a secret today? There's no misunderstanding this. The United States, New Zealand, UK, anywhere. Your government is watching you right now. Remember when that was a fake news story when they called you crazy and laughed you out of town just because you thought it might be? Yeah, always was happening. Just like every other thing they laugh at you about until it suddenly becomes proven to be the case. Here we are. They're watching you. They're tracking you because you said COVID vaccines may be dangerous. That's what's happening. You're on a terrorism watch list because you think the thing you're not supposed to think. Welcome to the new normal. Uh, look, that hasn't been reported to me, but that's not uncommon. And, and we welcome that information. As, as I said before, if, if there's anybody out there that knows of someone that might be showing concerning behaviour around, you know, conspiracy theories, anti-government, anti-police, wow. um, conspiracy theories around COVID-19 vaccination. Right, because you're not allowed to think what you want. That's pretty clear, isn't it? You're not allowed to have your own opinion in these topics, you crazy conspiracy theorist. As what we're seeing with the train family, we'd want to know about. We want to know about that. Uh, and you can either contact police directly or, or go through Crime Stoppers. Right. So when you call them and you go, these people have a dangerous conspiracy theory about how these injections are helping people who they don't care about that. Right. It's not anything under the sun or that you can prove there's a conspiracy. It's preset ideas that they've decided aren't allowable. Period. There's no debating. There's no putting something new on the table. They've decided and anything else is free. You can lie all day long about how the how I, I, I may I proved this point before. You, you can argue this injection, you take the COVID injection and you'll never get sick again the rest of your life. I've said that numerous times on, on Twitter and past accounts and even had people report it on purpose, never gets taken down. You know that's not true. Everybody knows that's not true. They don't care because you're allowed to lie in the positive direction about whatever we're dealing with. That's the point here. So you want to go, you want to prove that they're lying about something very important? They don't care. It's only about if you tell the truth about the things you're not supposed to talk about or at least however they perceive it, you're not allowed to have this conversation, even if you can prove it. We, we are certainly not classing it as a domestic terror event um, at this point. There's nothing really to indicate that. At this uh, point. What... At this point. Very important thing she said right there. It's already there. She's, she works for anti-terrorism. They're cataloging and watching people in this field. They're asking for you to report on them. 
All she said right there is not yet. So the point is simply they're looking for that. And if they have a reason, a justification to say there might be this connection, so you look like a dangerous person that might be willing to do this, then there you go. Now they can act. It's just as transparent as it gets to me. We can see is uh, sentiment displayed by the three individuals, the three trained family members that appears anti-government, anti-police, um, conspiracy theorist type things, but we can't see them connected to any particular uh, group that they might have been working with or uh, inspired them to do anything. We haven't located anything like that at this point in time. So that's exactly what we do do. So uh, in all of the social media postings, we'll be looking at uh, who are the other people posting material, who are the people that own those sites. Remember when they pretended they weren't tracking your social media? I mean, it's just so pathetic how moment to moment the the thing that was fake news, laughable, is very clearly being done for your best interest. You know, it's just so silly. This is why I keep saying this. I, everybody, you just can't be this stupid. You have to see that they are saying the thing that we were moments ago saying you're too stupid to believe, or rather that you're, you'd be stupid to believe. It just drives me crazy. But they continue to point this out, that all, the, all they need is the argument. Right. So you're part of you're a Republican. Therefore, there's the group. MAGA's are t MAGA people are terrorists. Therefore, we can arrest you because you said the wrong thing or you're denying the election or you already know how this works. They've made this clear. Uh, where are they located? Um, and, and then we'll go and speak to them. They're found to have motivated the trains to commit something like this. Is it possible to charge that person? Uh, well, that's a hypothetical question. We haven't found anything of that nature. But um, if we were to find information that, yes, law enforcement agencies across the world work together uh, to undertake um, security and counterterrorism investigations, and that happens all the time. So we will uh, work with other agencies if there was any information like that. But at this stage, we don't have anything that would suggest that. Right, right. So the point is they'll share information with other governments should they be interested, should they need to. You know, your, your rights be damned, of course, even though you haven't committed a crime, right? But it doesn't matter, though, because you might. You're all possible criminals. That's how they view it. Well, realize this has already been happening. This is this is police in Australia co-opted COVID-19 apps. You know, the very thing they promised they wouldn't do. And this is literally everywhere. They all lied to you. France was, I think, the first one that got caught, but they've all done it. Every single one of them swore up and down they wouldn't use your data, and then they use your data. Oops, sorry, but we don't care what you think. December 20th. The coronavirus pandemic provided it in the form of an electric dragnet QR code check-in data from contact tracing apps of 2,439 fans who attended a, a December 2020 race. A government order requiring people to provide contact tracing information just in case of a COVID-19 outbreak meant that anyone who checked in at the raceway that day left their name, phone number, and arrival time through the safe WA Western Australia COVID-19 app or on a paper. Oh, completely under the guise that it was just to be safe for COVID, right? Police issued an order to produce the information to the state health department two days after Martin was shot and killed. Police assessed the data, accessed the data, despite Western Australia Premier saying he promised the data would only be accessible to contact tracing personnel. So he lied. Or doesn't care now. It doesn't matter the reasoning. They just didn't do what they said they would do. And I promise you that was never even on the table. They've, they've been, I guarantee you, my opinion, they've been using this the moment they got it. Quote, they've breached the trust of the Western Australian public and they've let everybody down. Yeah, says the opposition. 
who would have done the same thing if they were in power. Western Australia police didn't respond to requests for comment from the Associated Press. Unable to negotiate a solution with police, McGowan's government ultimately passed laws in June 2021 that banned law enforcement from accessing such QR data. Multiple other Australian states and territories also introduced laws to prevent police from accessing contact tracing data, but they do it anyway. And here we are in 2022 doing the same thing. They're using your data. It was always the point. Your data was never about contact tracing. That was the excuse. This is about the panopticon of control for the technocratic future. That's what this is. And they're using it everywhere. Israel got caught. The U.S. got caught. France got caught because they were never not going to do it. The reality is if you believe they weren't going to do it, then you were the one that got fooled because they were never planning on it. It's been, I hope that's pretty clear, which brings us to one of the most important points in regard to COVID. And we're going to come back to this. A new study, it is a preprint, the more doses you take of the COVID injection, the greater the risk of getting COVID. Shocking, I know. It's exactly what we've been telling you the entire time, and here's yet another study that proves that exact point. We'll come back to this, though. This study is important, but the reason I have it here is because of what somebody said beneath it. The data is so clear on this that the New South Wales government in Australia has decided to take action, you know, that they'll no longer publish it. Vaccine status of cases admitted to the hospital and the ICU and those who will die will no longer be reported as of 2023. Shocking. I wonder why, because it's so important, right? Now that the issue you can prove is happening on the other side because of the injections. Yeah, we don't need to monitor that, though. Well, anyway, we'll come back to the study. That's the important thing. But realizing before we get to that, the reality that they're trying to tell you is misinformation. That if you point at this and say there's a problem, you're a terrorist. You're, you're a misinformer, except the data is undeniably clear. We'll look at it for ourselves. Here's New South Wales. Now, we used to do this when, you know, this was much more defined when they had the breakdown of risk per 100,000 because it showed you the reality. But for crying out loud, just take this in. This is vaccination stats per 100,000. Hospitalizations are blue. ICU is green. Deaths are red. Here's no dose. Zero hospitalizations, zero ICU, and very, very low amount of deaths in, in relative, in, in reflecting on everything else. One dose, which I don't, and this is what's interesting, guys. Don't forget this important breakdown, as we've shown you many times, that everything, this is just the Alberta document I tend to use, that shows you that they basically cases, hospitalizations, or deaths are either considered unvaccinated or diagnosed within two weeks of the first dose. Meaning that anything within those first two weeks that happens gets diagnosed as unvaccinated. This has been proven a thousand times over. But the most important part is that the reason they do that is because if you look at the cases, hospitalizations, and deaths, that upwards of 80 to 90% of each one of them happen within the first 21 days. So if you effectively dump all of that into unvaccinated, you're hiding 80% of the problem. Gee, you wonder if that's why they're doing it? I'm pretty sure that's been proven. But going back to the point is that you have here one dose hospitalization, gigantically more. Isn't this supposed to reduce hospitalization to death? That's the whole point, except where there's zero hospitalization over here. But my point is these deaths even, which probably are supposed to be there, arguably could be within that first time frame and just get dumped into it because of the one dose. Either way, though, look at the full picture. You know this doesn't make sense if you're being honest with yourself, even if you think we're crazy. 
two doses, three doses, four doses, I know. Look at the four doses. Look at how many people are being hospitalized after four doses compared to zero with no doses. Even the deaths. Look at the death gigantically more. And this is just a general graph. But you can also take this information over here and look at the breakdown. This is the most recent week. This is this is as of December 12th, or excuse me, December 17th. No dose, zero ICU, zero hospitalization, only nine deaths. Out of 1,125,000 people who are reportedly not having any doses. One dose, again, same. this is the same point we're just pointing at, so the same idea. No reported deaths, but I argue that's probably where these come from. But you can look at all these combined. So one dose to multiple doses, you've got 41 plus 12 plus 6 plus, well, that's unknown. So just doing the math on this and realizing you're talking about over 1 million people for no doses, but then you've got 2, 4, 5, 6, 7 plus million people with injections in their body. So, you know, one seventh, something like that, generally breaking it down, but the numbers don't match up. That's far, 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 far less and far, far, far more than just the, well, there's mostly vaccinated, therefore most should be there. That's not even what's remotely happening. But you can just take the dance all the way down to as far as it'll let you look back over to February 26th, you know, long before we had this most everybody's vaccinated argument. Still lots more, but look at the breakdown. It's the same exact picture. It has always been this way. To make it more clear, here is. COVID weekly data by vaccination status. No, look at one dose and no dose. <laughs> look at two doses, three doses, four doses, and unknown, which I, you know, I, I've already, I, I did a segment on unknown and they, it's been shown almost by and large unknown is almost always vaccinated. And there's just weird, that, that's, I'll get it. I, I did a segment on it. I wish I had it pulled up. I'd remember to show it to you. The point was that there was numerous people pointing out that the unknown category was majority of which ended up being vaccinated. But just look at the four dose category. This is the bivalent. And I'm going to prove to you why specifically that is so catastrophically worse because the peer reviewed science is showing these things specifically. The bivalent specifically is worse than all the rest of them. As by the way, we were telling you. But how do you compare these things and act like this makes sense? Deaths, hospitalizations, ICU, all of it through the roof compared to no dose. Through the roof. Here's just a general outline by a line graph. Red line being vaccinated, green line being unvaccinated. My God, just look at that. You can't pretend like this makes sense. It's obvious that these things are hurting people. Here is unvaccinated versus vaccinated. Oh, uh, let me go back. So this one was deaths just look at that spike in deaths compared to unvaccinated and i mean just the way it goes it's not just the majority because they're all vaccinated that's clearly a problem they just don't want people to look at it this one is icu same thing just gigantically more in the icu here is hospitalizations in general same point and then most oh which one there's one that was oh that this one's crazy check this out look at the green line here both of them really Tell me, explain for me why the green line for fat, for people in the ICU, which is unvaccinated, would be zeroed out from September to now. There's millions of people unvaccinated, aren't they? And they're surrounded by people that are getting sick. And you're telling me they're not the most in the hospital or zero in the hospital? 
come on, guys, it's obvious. Obviously, they're not getting sick. And that's what Dr. Peter McCullough and everybody else is telling you, that their practice are showing that the, the people that are unvaccinated are not getting sick. Look at this. All the way from, what is this? June. From June to now, basically zero people in the hospital in New South Wales that are unvaccinated. Zero. Just mind-blowing. Now, just to compare really quickly, here's July 30th. Going back just to one of these old documents we've shown before. And it's the same thing, guys. You'll see the same thing. The numbers are predominantly slanted towards the people that are injected. This goes all the way back to July. So explain for me that why then the numbers would be basically the same breakdown. In fact, it's even worse. No dose. Again, the same point we just showed you. Zero, zero, nine. 75 total deaths, only nine of them in the no-dose category. Now, all that aside, because people are going to all have numbers justifications for why we misunderstand the data. Let's look at the science. You know, the thing they claim they're trusting. Yes, this is a preprint amongst many others that are peer-reviewed. British Medical Journal, Yale, MedRxiv. This is effectiveness of the coronavirus disease, COVID-19 bivalent vaccine. This is the one we're pointing at. Uh, it was this one right here. Where is it? Right here. This study. Thank you, Health and Freedom Maximilian, for pointing this out. Here's what it says. Now, remember, the point was the more you take, the more the higher the chance you have of getting COVID. I mean, is, if that's if that's not by design, I mean, my God, these things are like clearly designed to keep this going. And, and I, I say that it could be by accident. I don't know. But are creating the variants. We, we should be undeniably pointing that out by now. This is what's keeping this going because they're by and large the ones spreading it and catching it and keeping it going. And this is continuing to make it more and more likely the more and more you get it. Gee. I wonder if it's the slim percentage of people that never got it. <laughs> That's what they want you to think. December 19th. Here's what it says. Now, there's, there's a bunch in here you should read. Here's the graph he's pointing out. It's undeniable. It says, the risk, oh, excuse me, this one right here. The risk of COVID-19 also varied by the number of COVID-19 vaccine doses previously received. The higher the number of vaccines previously received, the higher the risk of contracting COVID. I mean, it can't get much more clear than that. To include... The, this analysis shows that in addition to a 21% protective effect of bivalent vaccination, let me repeat that, 21% protective. Remember all the games of 99% and on and on and on? Okay, so guess what? If it's not 21% effective for the BA4 and 5, seeing as how that's no longer the relevant strain, it's less than 21%. And they're still trying to push it on people. With all of the dangers that we're going to point out again next. The increased risk of severe adverse events, gigantically. 86 compared to 51% compared to the last ones. But it says, in addition to 21% protective effect of bivalent vaccination, those with last exposure to SARS-CoV-2 six to nine months previously have twice the risk. And those exposed nine to 12 months previously have 3.5 times the risk of COVID-19 compared to those with last exposure within the last 90 days. The point is these things don't work. Your risk is worse than if you had never done anything. You've really got to understand that when you include the serious adverse events that are through the roof. This study found that the current bivalent vaccines were about 30% effective overall in protecting against infection with SARS-CoV-2 when the Omicron BA4 and BA5 lineages were the predominant strain. No longer the case now. Sure thing, sure glad you rushed out and listened to Fauci and got the thing that doesn't help you, but makes it lots and lots worse. But understand, 
protects against infection does not mean stops transmission. That means it reduces mild to moderate symptoms because this is the same game. Very clear. Well, let's go through some of the ones quickly that we pointed out before for those that might not have seen them. So you can combine these with that preprint. As Chris points out, doctors, and this is one of the largest points that I keep shouting out. Doctors around the world, guys, are standing up and being counted. Finally, the numbers demanding the end of these shots is growing every day. The shots are not safe and are not effective for anybody. Yet again, demonstrating our value. I was not saying that six months ago because I was guessing. I was saying that based on the data. And now you've seen it continue to be said by higher regarded people with, in regard to credentials, PhDs and scientists and doctors. I take, I take pride in that because I was right, I believe. You can come to your own conclusions about it. I didn't guess. I based it on science and the information we can have in front of us. Stand with our brave medical professionals and demand an end to this madness. Hashtag stop the shots. And you can read this article for yourself from Doctors for Patients UK. Now, just quickly, again, I just want to include them. So if you wanted to conclude and inform somebody about this and they're going, oh, it's a preprint and you shouldn't look at that, which, by the way, is what Twitter says underneath it. Twitter now has these fact check bubbles underneath their tweets and with Snopes and Reuters, you know, because they're on your side. Clearly, Twitter is. But the point is. All of this needs to be included. This is a gigantic peer-reviewed British Medical Journal study on the Journal of Medical Ethics that very clearly finds the risk of the COVID-19 boosters, specifically bivalent, is a net harm. You cannot misunderstand this. It takes 30 to 42,000 plus young people getting three shots each to stop one hospitalization. One. And that then comes along with 18.5 serious adverse events. So to stop one maybe hospitalization, it takes potentially 18 potential deaths, which that includes serious adverse events, hospitalization, death, serious, uh, you know, permanent disability. My God, there's no way around that. This is bad. And that we're not even getting in to all the other things that can happen too. This is just straight up based on what they're admitting. And this is damning. We've got the other study from November 8th, 2022, showing you what I was pointing out before, that the rate of adverse reactions of the second booster, the bivalent, or rather the, so the fourth shot was significantly higher adverse events when they got the bivalent version compared to the other. 84.6 to 51.4. There's just no denying this stuff anymore. Serious harms of COVID-19 vaccines, a systematic review. This one we just talked about includes 18 systematic reviews, gigantic systematic reviews doing the same thing. 18 of those, 14 random controlled trials and 34 other studies with a control group and found the same thing. It found significantly more serious adverse events with the injections than the placebo. Where are all these trust the science crowd? Where'd they go? They just got real quiet, didn't they? Other than screaming what Fauci said. Innate immune suppression. Again, peer-reviewed, Elisevir or Science Direct, saying very clearly that the spike protein continues to be made, that it's neurotoxic and impairs the DNA, that vaccines can increase your risk of other diseases and cancers, and it impairs innate immunity. It's just as damning as it gets. And here's a great example of something they don't want you to hear. In fact, they're going out of their way to pretend like you're attacking these people by saying, see, we told you, is high-level people in the government even going, we both got vaccine injured. And this is pretty damning. 
Former top doctor is calling for more research into COVID jabs after experiencing a vaccine injury. Your former member for Wentworth, Dr Karen Phelps, suffered irregular blood pressure and breathlessness following her second jab. I'm pleased to say she joins us live. Uh, Dr Phelps, good morning. You and your wife both suffered vaccine injuries. Can you take us through what happened? Yes, good morning, Charles. Hello, Christine. Well, in Jackie's case, we obviously did a lot of homework about uh, the vaccines and uh, went along to have the vaccines done uh, because we believed that on the balance of risks and benefits that that was the, the best thing to do. And within minutes... So they were wrong, right? I mean, and you can say that's my opinion. I think the data very clearly backs that up. But just ask yourself again, how is it possible that medical professionals still, at this moment, or rather just right before this, didn't know this. Do they look at the full data? Obviously not. Otherwise, they would have seen the problems. They listened to what Pfizer, Moderna, and the CDC and the FDA said was going on. And, and, and that's how they're trained. They have been convinced that that's infallible. Even to the point where she's talking about these problems and still kind of suggesting that there's benefits. It's blowing my mind that these people can't still see through it, even as they're hurt. But what she's saying here is waking people up regardless. Uh-oh. Don't know why that stopped. Interesting. Let me try it again. Hold on. <laughs> Very strange. Let me just stop playing. I got it right here. See if we can try it again. Former top doctor is called... Well, in Jackie's case, we obviously did a lot of homework about uh, the vaccines and uh, went along to have the vaccines done uh, because... We believe that on the balance of risks and benefits that that was the, the best thing to do. And within minutes of having the vaccine, she had a quite severe reaction with uh, uh, numbness of the hands and feet, tingling all over her body, uh, her head feeling like it was going to explode, uh, pain. And, uh, and then over the weeks and months following that, uh, the condition continued and uh, she'd seen a number of months. specialists and, and the conclusion was that she had had uh, an, an injury related to the vaccine. And yeah, well, the craziest part is, so for months that went on, for her too, by the way, she'll say in a second, that people are online calling the people crazy, calling these people right-wing conspiracy. I mean, I'm not, it's ridiculous. The way people have been trained that are lost in the two-party paradigm, that she can be literally still supporting the agenda, but if she says the thing that she was injured by the vaccine, they're going to call her a conspiracy theorist. And that's to some degree happening. Mind-blowing even though it's been proven by a doctor and even though it's obviously been admitted that it can happen, but they're so quick to shout down anything like this. It's just, it's obvious there's an agenda. I don't know how anybody can't see this. And so that was in her case, uh, I went back and had the second vaccine um, wow. thinking that, you know, it's a, a rare reaction. And, again and that's how the government does this to you, right? So she trusted the government. Hopefully she thinks better now because they said it was rare. They're lying. So she went in and said, well, that does look pretty bad, but they said it was rare, so it's most likely not going to happen. And it happens to her. Think about the likelihood of that and what that shows you. They both go in. They're both doctor. They both get the same long-term problem. Not the exact same, but both have long-term problems. Just think about that as a small control study. The, the, out of both, they, I mean, 100% of them got it. <laughs> it's only two people, but the likelihood of that. That's how likely this is. We're, I, mean, I don't need to convince you guys. We, you know, we bring lied to here. Hopefully other people can pick up on this. Again, on the balance of risks and benefits, and, and in my case, 
I developed a reaction where my blood pressure, my pulse rate and my temperature was uh, was going up and down all over the place and uh, with some quite distressing symptoms and, and persisting for, for quite some time and over a period of many months. And, wow. uh, and I was diagnosed with a vaccine-related dysautonomia. So... You know, yeah, so, so she got she, so she has a lifelong problem, right? So she has an issue now going forward. Now, I, I, who knows if it'll go away over the point is it took months and months. And then she was diagnosed with an actual issue that was caused by the injection that's affecting her blood pressure and that she's been dealing with ever since. It's, it's just I don't know how people can't see what this is over the process of the last you know year and a half or so. I've also spoken to a number of colleagues who've had vaccine uh, adverse events themselves, uh, patients oh who've had vaccine adverse okay. events. And uh, and so when I was putting in uh, the submission to the long COVID and reinfection inquiry for the huh? Australian Parliament just in the last month or so, I included uh, the group of people who have suffered adverse events from vaccination. Did you hear what she just said? I This is exactly what I've been telling you. So they're including vaccine adverse events in long COVID reporting. Gee, what else can we be right about today, guys? My God, it's exactly what we've been telling you. Long COVID at the very least is being conflated with vaccine side effects. And they just pretend it's COVID because they know vaccines can't do this. That's the stupid kind of assurance. They're set in the idea that they know the reality. Therefore, and it doesn't matter what the proof shows, the evidence shows, it doesn't matter. It can't be this. Therefore, it must be long COVID. So she just said that on the record. They are dumping these things into long COVID. Listen to it again. A number of colleagues who've had vaccine uh, adverse events themselves, uh, patients who've had vaccine adverse events. And uh, and so when I was putting in uh, the submission to the long COVID and reinfection inquiry. for The long COVID and reinfection inquiry. So you know it's a vaccine problem, but yet you put it in for long COVID and reinfection? How does that even make sense? The Australian Parliament, just in the last month or so, I included uh, the group of people who have suffered adverse events from vaccination as a group that needs to have special consideration when it comes to prevention of long COVID. Okay, so what do you mean long COVID? You just said it was a vaccine problem. It's like she doesn't even, how do you make sense of that? You just said it was it was because of the injection, and yet you're putting them in to be concerned, specially focused on in the context of long COVID. So we're really just pretending that the vax. I mean, I don't even know how to make sense of that. Like that actually frustrates the hell out of me because this just goes forward as long COVID and people pretend that's because COVID and the narrative continues despite this being stated publicly on this channel. Isn't that just not infuriate you guys? These are serious side effects. Why did the medical regulator APRA warn doctors then, as you claim, not to speak out about these vaccine side effects? Right. That's the other big part of this is not only did it happen, but they told them not to say anything. We'd have to ask APRA themselves about their motivation. But certainly quite a number of doctors that I've spoken to have felt impeded in speaking out about uh, their concerns about vaccine adverse events because of the statement made by APRA that uh, that doctors shouldn't say anything that was uh, going to impede the government's vaccine rollout. Right, and there, there's the overlap to this, right? It's, it's, a one, it's one small step away from that being a crime, right? That you said the thing that stopped people from getting injections, therefore you're killing them because we know they'll die without it or you know whatever their logic is, the lack of logic. And they took that to mean uh, not to publicly raise their concerns. 
Now, I think it's important to say that when we're talking about a massive pandemic with a high rate of deaths and hospitalisation... Not what's happening. ...that there has to always be, with any immunisation program, a balance of risks and benefits of you know, what we are trying to achieve in terms of reducing deaths and hospitalisations balanced against the fact that with any medication, any vaccine, there are going to be some people who have adverse events. But I think it's very important with this new vaccine... Uh, it's only been around for you know less than two years that it's time that we put some research funding and some real effort into looking at the, the causes for the vaccine. Yeah. See, this is the frustrating part, guys. That's already happened. That's what we keep talking about. But yeah, we need to put some effort and time and research into finding out whether what? Whether they increase your risk of illness. Right. Whether they cause you to be excess harm, it's not harm. It's all done. It's already there. All of this. And I'm not saying we should stop. Continue to do research. But the argument always on, on shows like this becomes, well, you know, we need more research to be sure. <laughs> Why don't you come out and say the science has been done and it shows these things are hurting people. And we need to be honest about that because they wouldn't be allowed to say that. I, it ju- it just kind of frustrates you that this is the way it continues to go. It, this is like saying we need more science on whether masks increase your risk of infection. We've got a peer-reviewed study, random-controlled trial, that shows you that cloth masks increase your risk of infection from 2020. Why, so, yeah, keep studying. But why didn't that become the, imp- the beginning of the conversation? Because we're all being lied to in every single possible way. Not my opinion. I've proven this stuff. adverse events that people are experiencing and they're experiencing a whole range of different types of of uh, vaccine events they're, they're 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 experiencing things like cardiovascular events with uh, myocarditis pericarditis and that's not just confined to uh, to young males it's you know I've, I've spoken to you know middle-aged female doctors who've, who've had this effect uh, it, it's uh, people who have rheumatological side effects where they have you know musculoskeletal and joint pain. I've spoken to people who've had uh, uh, cardiological side effects. Uh, you know, it's, it's a whole range of different groups of people who've had neurological side effects, for example. So, My God, I mean, how can you have this conversation the way she's having it and not see what this is? All of this stuff was conspiracy theory in the beginning. All of it. We're uh, looking at immune system problems with people with reactivation of autoimmune disease. So uh, with this large spectrum of of side effects, we're also seeing a very large side effects, uh, range of side effects of people uh, with uh, long COVID. And so (laughs) there are some crossovers in people with the adverse effects from the vaccine Mm. and long COVID, quite similar symptoms in many. So there could be. Almost like we've talked about this before. There's some common factors there, which needs research, needs funding, and needs a big effort. Dr. Phelps, we appreciate you. And of course, you know, you get all the 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 line towers, uh, you know, that follow what you're supposed to say. That when I come out early and say, based on the data, that long COVID looks like it's being conflated with, oh, you're a crazy, dangerous conspiracy. You know, and then eventually it becomes something we're allowed to talk about. And then they, well, you didn't know, Scott Adams style, right? You were wrong. You were guessing. And I was right for being wrong at that time. Mind, mind-numbingly stupid. Here is the point I was making before. This is her and her wife. Annie Vaxxers gloat that Karen Phelps and her wife are suffering horrific COVID vaccine side effects means their wacky conspiracies were right. God, it's just so insultingly stupid. Like, so they go out of their way to not be like, 
yeah, so this is happening to a degree. No, they have to go out and they have to go, yeah, it is, but here's why they're still wrong. It's the exact same point. And you read this article, and it's just bad, as Bella Rose points out, so many derogatory labels in this article. But seriously, who out there is smug? How can you possibly be? Now, there are some people, of course, but she goes, I never wanted to be right ever, and I agree. It means I could lose everyone I love. If you're smug about any of this, then you need a word with yourself. It doesn't have a happy ending. That's the point, is that this is what they're doing. They're projecting. Most people in this position were going, God, I don't want to be right about this. I don't want this to be happening. I don't want to see this horrifically. I mean, think about what that means, that we're happy and smug about the fact that we're a global conspiracy is taking place. I mean, that's such a ridiculous thing to say. The point is that they, these kind of people were the ones that were smugly were writing articles about how it was okay that we were suffering if that was what was happening because we chose what we wanted. I mean, it was just vicious. And as this person points out, I'm not smug. I'm sad and vindicated. Exactly. I've never wanted to be wrong about something so much in my life. It's sad. People are being hurt by this. But when, when things like this happen, they're that clear. All they can do is come out and go, here's why you're wrong even when you're right. Think about how insulting that is. German parliament vice president calls for investigation into COVID vaccine deaths and damages. Watch the video for yourself. It's in German. The point, though, is that this is everywhere. Everywhere. Dr. Masim Asim Maholtra. Steve Barclay says, At hospital, as hospital admissions from COVID and flu continue to rise, it's vital that you take the injection. You know, towing the line because this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Dr. Masima Holtra says, please stop. The COVID vaccine has close to zero benefit. And we now have clear causal data from far from far from rare, serious harms. This is all provable information, guys. This is mind blowing. The NHS is overloaded enough. We don't want more hospital admissions. I'm happy to meet with you and walk you through the data, but that will never happen. Never. Now, here's an interesting point that Denny, Denny Rancourt make, or, uh, shares. Thank you, Denny, for sharing this. Three scientists counter Pfizer disinformation. Excellent undercover secret recording. You can watch this for yourself. Now, I'm going to go through this reasonably quick just to wrap this up, hopefully closer to two hours. A great video. And you're going to see going through all of this, you're going to see all the same things that we keep pointing out. This is Rebel News talking to Diane Thompson, Senior Director Global Vaccines Public Affairs for Pfizer. This is Pfizer. Either unaware of their own data, so ignorant of the real risks, or willfully deceiving people she's talking to about the things that Pfizer wants them to think. Such as, it's stronger than natural immunity. Does it, if, oh, here, I'll just play it real quick. Does it last longer? And she says different type of immunity. So if you have, if you have infection, the immunity that you get after that is very short lived. Fake news. I mean, literally, as, that's one of the most absurd things. You can look this up at almost every single large, every one of them, Science Direct, Science, Science.org, all of them. The Lancet, NIH, the WHO, and every single one of them says that the, the natural immunity is durable, lasting, and robust. Durable, lasting, and robust all the way till the end of their studies. Every single one of them. And then this is just the one that I tend to show. Because this one has continued to support the concept that ultra-potent antibodies continue to be made against the variants going forward. And this overlaps with Omicron. That's what the article, this is what the discussion says very clearly. 
that it does. People who got sick in the beginning continue to produce antibodies that cross-neutralize variants of concern with high potency. The WHO and the NIH said this is lasting, durable, robust, possibly the rest of your life. But yet here's Pfizer going, no, your natural immunity is bad. It, it goes away real quick, so take this dangerous thing. Gee, will she be held accountable for her aggressive and dangerous medical misinformation? Obviously not. I mean, you get the point, guys. I, I want I just to go through this quickly. She rattles off all of the same things you might expect. All of them. The idea about natural immunity, the concept about whether if it's safe to get this while you're pregnant. We know that's not true. I've made that point a thousand times over. Now, what I'm going to do. Oh, and I included this right here for you to see how their data as of right now still says they don't know. The safety profile of the vaccine is not fully known in pregnant or breastfeeding women. Or the other one that says no data is available regarding Pfizer or the, and the bivalent in pregnancy. But let's pretend it's safe and effective for pregnant women because we want to say that. That's fair, right? No, not at all. That's called medical misinformation. Now, here, let me play this for you, and then we'll wrap this up tonight. This one is a great clip put forward by wondering what if, I, I imagine, unless this is reposted. Of WHO admitting vaccines are not safe is the title, but there's a lot of really important catches here that are caught during the meetings that people aren't seeing. So watch these for yourself. There's a lot of safety science that's needed, and um, without the good science, we can't have good communication. So although I'm talking about all these other contextual issues and communication issues, it absolutely needs the science as the backbone. You can't repurpose the same old science to make it sound better if you don't have the science that's relevant to the new problem. So we need much more investment in safety science. I think we cannot overemphasize the fact that that we really don't have very good safety uh, monitoring systems in many countries, and this adds to the miscommunication and the misapprehensions because we're not able to give clear-cut answers when people ask questions about the deaths that have occurred due to a particular vaccine, and this always gets blown up in the media uh, one should be able to give uh, a, a very factual account of what exactly has happened and what the cause of deaths are. But in most cases, there's some obfuscation at that level. That's not hard to understand. So there's not enough safety data, for si safety science, clear, and they don't have enough safety monitoring. Great. So how can they pretend they know any of this? Got to love that, right? And, and therefore, there's uh, less and less trust then in, in, in the system. Rightly so. Every time that there is an association, be it temporal or not temporal, the first accusation is it is the adjuvant. And yet, without adjuvants, we are not going to have the next generation of vaccines. And many of the vaccines that we do have, ranging from tetanus through to HPV. Don't you love these kind of arguments? So the argument is, well, we need vaccines, right? So therefore, we'll keep doing the thing even though it causes problems. 
I mean, it's oversimplified, but the point should be, why don't we first consider, is it worth the problems to have the vaccines? Why don't maybe do it a different way? Like the idea that we just starting with the premise that, well, we need these for sure. Therefore, we accept the problems that come along with using the adjuvants we need to make these the case. I mean, it's the same idea as acting like these. We need these vaccines for COVID. Therefore, we'll rush them out before we know they're safe because we need them. Right. Well, no, we're starting with a false premise. One, that this thing's even present or dangerous, COVID-19, on top of the fact that we argue we need these things in a rush. Neither of these things, none of this was real. I think we can see that by now. So this is the same kind of argument, right? Well, we know we need vaccines, so the adjuvants are the problem, but we're going to keep making them because we have to have the vaccine. Well, there is a conversation to be had here. Now, I know a lot of people don't are so quick to push back on the concept. Now, I, as I've always said in this case, well, first of all, it should always be your choice, always, no matter what. I can't even believe that's up for discussion. But at the end of the day, that if what we're seeing today is a problem and we're seeing that this goes far deeper than just the COVID injection, we need to start reflecting on all of these things. And that doesn't have to mean that you can you don't you you can't go get one if you'd like. Right? Just the idea that we it's not anti-vaccine to begin addressing genuine concerns about things we're finally be seeing clearly. They just don't want to address that. Now, again, my point is that I'm not saying 100% for sure, but rather that we need to look further into it. They don't like that. See, on their side of it, they're saying 100% sure, safe. See the difference? Require adjuvants in order for them to work. So the challenge that we have in front of us is how do we build confidence in this? And the confidence, first of all, comes from the regulatory agencies, to Marianne. Right, so this is where they argue we need to convince people this is for their best interest, even though we know there are problems, because they've decided it's right. Why not just present all the information and let people make their own minds up? Because you've already made the decision long before this that we're too stupid to do that, and it can't be left to us, so you need to make it happen. I mean, very important to understand that point. Just to quickly jump to the end, which we'll come back to, that this is ultimately what he is saying. Tedros. He said this on June 2022. The COVID pandemic has demonstrated that global health security cannot be left to voluntary mechanisms or goodwill. Think about how concerning that is. Has the, has the special new government checkmark. So he's straight up telling you, you don't get to decide next time. This cannot be left to you guys making your own choices because you're too dumb. Or too uninformed or too misinformed by conspiracy theory. It doesn't matter what it is. You no longer get the hashtag, hashtag pandemic accord. You can't misunderstand what that's saying. We uh, we tried to let you make choices for yourselves, and you guys proved you're not responsible. So we're going to next time. Damn it, that's alarming. That's where this is going. Where was I? Where is it? I lost the video. Here we go. When we add an adjuvant, it's because it is essential. We do not add adjuvants to vaccines because we want to do so. But when we add them, it, in, it adds to the complexity. And I give courses every year on how do you develop vaccines, how do you make vaccines. And the first lesson is, while you're making your vaccine, if you can avoid using an adjuvant, please do so. Lesson two is, if you're going to use an adjuvant, use one that has a history of safety. That is so strange. I don't even know why this keeps happening. That just stopped. <laughs> well, interesting spot to stop. The point is a history of safety, right? So then let's pick the most undefined, untested thing we have. 
and pretend that makes sense. <laughs> right? Let's rush in something in four different ways, all simultaneously, even though it's never succeeded, and act like it makes sense they all actively got the same thing at the exact same time. With a not historically safe thing, because we've never done it before. Like, think about how ridiculous that is. <laughs> it's just so weird. Yeah, who knows? It doesn't. I don't even care. Let's find, grab the video again. You know, you know what honestly irritates me the most is just that it becomes disjointed. I do that enough myself. I don't need them helping me. Now and now I lose the damn video. Oh, here we go. <laughs> it's frustrating. Or not? Son of a gun. What were I just completely? Oh yeah, the the WHO video. No. <laughs> that is very frustrating. My apologies, guys. I just feel like I completely lost the video. God, that's irritating. Here's what I'm going to do. On to puppy fit-started. But when we add them, it, in, it adds to the complexity. And I give courses every year on how do you develop vaccines, how do you make vaccines. And the first lesson is... While you're making your vaccine, if you can avoid using an adjuvant, please do so. Lesson two is, if you're going to use an adjuvant, use one that has a history of safety. And lesson three is, if you're not going to do that, think very carefully. It seems to me that adjuvants multiply the immunogenicity of the antigens that they are added to, and that is their intention. It seems to me they multiply the reactogenicity in many instances. And therefore, it seems to me that it is not to unexpected if they multiply the incidence of adverse reactions that are associated with the antigen, but may not have been detected through lack of statistical power in the original studies. You are correct. Um, as we add adjuvants, especially some of the more recent adjuvants, such as the ASO1 saponin-derived adjuvants, we do see increased local reactogenicity. The primary concern, though, usually is systemic <laughs> adverse events rather than local adverse events. And we, we tend to get in the quite good data on the local reactogenicity. Those of us in this room that are beyond the age of 50, who've had the pleasure of having the recent shingles vaccine, will know that this does have quite significant local reactogenicity. If you got the vaccine, you know that you got the vaccine. Um, but this is not the major health concern. The major health concern which we are seeing are accusations of long-term long -term effects. So to come back to this, I'm going to once again point to the regulators. It comes down to um, ensuring that we... we conduct the phase two and the phase three studies with adequate size and with the ad with appropriate measurement. So in our clinical trials, we're, we are actually using relatively small sample sizes. And when we do that, we're at risk. And when we do that, we're at risk of tyranny of small numbers, which is you just need a single case of Wegener's granulomatosis and your vaccine has to... So, Waltz, how do you prove a null hypothesis? And it takes years and years to try to figure, to figure that out. So 
it's a real conundrum, right? Getting the right the right size, dealing with the tyranny of small numbers, making sure that you can can really do it. And so I think one of the, the things that we really need to invest in are kind of better biomarkers, better mechanistic understanding of how these things work so we can better understand um, adverse events as they come up. One of the additional issues that complicates safety evaluation is if you look at and you struggle with the length of follow-up that should be adequate in a, let's say, pre-licensure or even post-marketing study, if that's even possible. And again, as you mentioned, pre-licensure clinical trials may not be powered enough. It's also the subject population that you administer the adjuvant to, because we've seen data presented to us where an adjuvant, a particular adjuvant added to a vaccine antigen did really nothing when administered to a certain population, and it's usually the elderly, you know, compared to, to administering the same formulation to, to younger age strata. So, so these are things which uh, need to be considered as well and further complicate safety and effectiveness evaluation of adjuvants combined with vaccine antigens. I cast back my mind to our situation in Nigeria, where at six weeks, 10 weeks, 14 weeks, a child is being given different antigens from different companies. And these vaccines have different adjuvants, different preservatives, and so on. Something crosses my mind. Is there a possibility of these adjuvants, preservatives, cross-reacting amongst themselves? Have there ever been a study on the possibility of cross-reactions from the panel members that you can share the experience with us. Now, the only way to tease that out is if you had a large population database like the Vaccine Safety Data Link, as well as some of the other um, national databases that are coming to being, where the actual vaccine exposure is tracked down to that level of specificity of who is the manufacturer, what is the lot number, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and there's uh, initiative to try to make the uh, vaccine label information uh, barcoded so that it includes that level of information so that in the future when we do these type of studies, we're able to uh, tease that out. <clears throat> and, and in order to, be, to as each time you subdivide, then the uh, sample size gets becoming more and more challenging. And that's what I said earlier today about that we're really only in the beginning of the era of large data sets where hopefully you could start to um, kind of uh, harmonize the databases for multiple studies. Uh, and there's actually an uh, initiative underway. Uh, Helen there uh, uh, may want to comment on it to try to get more national uh, vaccine safety database linked together so we could start to answer these type of questions that you just raised. The other thing that's a trend and an issue is not just confidence in providers, but confidence of healthcare providers. We have a very wobbly health professional front line that is starting to question vaccines and the safety of vaccines. When the front line uh, professionals are starting to question or they don't feel like they have enough confidence about the safety to stand up to it to the person asking them the questions. I mean, most medical school curriculums, even nursing curriculums, I mean, in medical school, you're lucky if you have a half day 
on vaccines, never mind keeping up to date with all this. Great video by the high wire. Very clear, right? Half a day on vaccines. Really sounds like they know what's going on, right? Well, the point is that this is being framed as a problem. Parents' resistance to COVID shots has splashed into longstanding school immunizations. Oh, no. With almost a third saying that things that they're anti-vaccine, that we shouldn't take any vaccines. No. Saying that they should have the right to decide for their children as the New York Times clutches their pearls. Oh my God, the conspiracy theorists have spread. Now they're asking for their own choices? Yeah, this should really bother you. Read it for yourself. The concern is that your misinformation has suddenly allowed these parents to go, I don't know, maybe I should go choice to choice. Maybe I should be able to make my own decision based on each individual thing, each individual year, each individual time. Gee, maybe I should have informed consent. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe you should blindly follow what you're told is the right thing to do because the government said and act like that's informed. Act like that's trusting the science. It's amazing that they can frame suddenly deciding they, they want the right to decide for each choice is dangerous. This is, again, framing objectivity as extremism. They're scared of you. They always are, in fact. Just today, much more than usual. Here's UK Health Security Agency saying the UK will be protecting against potential future global health threats, including potential pandemics, thanks to a new 10-year partnership between the government and Moderna. Great. So now the vaccine company is literally working with the government more so than before. In fact, partnering. So they are part of the government. Great. UK Health Security Agency is really owning up to its name, isn't it? This is, I mean, if you aren't scared about this, then you are not paying attention. This is crazy. Based on what's been happening, this should be the opposite. They are tripling down, quadrupling down on the dangerous direction. And it gets even worse than you think. And I've brought this up many times. Just this, just this one graph just makes this clear. I've, I've done entire segments on this. mRNA in the meat or poultry or well, meat, but just in general, in your food. Even organic which substances can be used to prevent and treat diseases in organic livestock vaccines right and we know what they're using today but think about how crazy that is how in the world can you argue that's organic even just normal vaccine you can't is the point they just it's the same way they pretend that nuclear weapons and gas are suddenly green and ESG, because we use them to fight for freedom. So that makes sense, right? <laughs> what are we, three? This is stupid. This is not organic because you're literally putting non-organic substances in their bodies. It's pretty damn simple, but it doesn't matter because the narrative, the definition changes and everything's fine, right? The point is, this is just like glyphosate. It's going to a point so quickly that we, won't we will not be able to come back from this. As Johnny Vedmore points out, thank you for sharing this. Here is uh, Netanyahu. Admitting to you what's always been the case, that you are being used as an individual for an experiment, and that they used the genetic database they'd already set up to be able to monitor, track, and make this, basically turn Israel into its own Petri dish for Big Pharma. 
And you knew this because we already told you. Example, so you'll see because I don't want to bore you. Also, don't forget that this was conspiracy theory and probably still is if you point it out on Twitter, even as he tells you this is what happened. The detailed, detailed plans, I, 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 but they are detailed in my mind. Um, we came out of COVID first. I described that in my book, my conversations with Albert. Yeah, even as, as everyone's wildly struggling right now, but they came out of COVID because that's just what they want you to think. Now, by the way, when I say that, I don't mean they're still struggling from COVID, but rather that whatever we're dealing with, their problems are exponentially worse right now. They're just, oh, it's, it's undefined. It's SIDS. It's sad. It's, it's baffling. We don't know. But we're out of COVID, though, because we want to say that. The point is, it's always been whatever we're dealing with. They're framing as something else. Now the vaccines they gave them to get them out of COVID is r- ruining people that took them. But hey, we're out of COVID, though, right? <laughs> Borla, Pfizer. And I persuaded him to give tiny Israel uh, the, the necessary vaccines to get us out first from the COVID. And the reason I could do that is because we have a database, 98%, a medical database, of our population has digitized medical records and little card. And anywhere you go in any hospital in Israel, north, south, doesn't make any difference. Boom, you punch it in and you know everything about this patient for the last 20 years. Did you hear that? So this is what we're doing. So this was already the case. And so this is why it was called Israel was called Pfizer's lab. That's what they termed it. That was look it up. It's a direct quote. That's what they is Pfizer's lab. Because they used only Pfizer, and clearly that was why. Because there was a digital concept for the medical treatment, there was a medical database, a genetic database, and they applied this because they could watch what these people were dealing with. Side effects, and so on. This is what it's all about. And the whole point about the digital medical certificate, everything. There's a reason that Israel was very clearly involved with all of this and had a very different experience in the way that they carried this out. I said, we'll use that to tell you whether these vaccines, what do they do to people, not individual people, not with their individual identities, but statistically, what does it do to people with, uh, uh, you know, with uh, meningitis? What is- I mean, can you believe, this is what he's saying. So we didn't know what would happen. We gave it to people of Israel and told that Pfizer will let you know what it does to them. That's exactly what he just said and based on their genetic databases we can look at their genetic background and tell you why it could be beneficial to you or or whatever he straight up just said that they use their background to test them to see what the vaccine would do i mean i just have never existed in a time that was this cartoonishly ridiculous it's it's i mean obviously never existed in time but i don't think we're in a point in which this has i've never seen it be this flimsy i guess where it's just blatantly clear. And I guess it just comes down to a choice to not look at it for what it exactly is and just take what they tell you it is. So the sky's the sky is not blue. The sky is whatever. The sky is red. Don't just trust me. Don't even look at it. And what's funny is that movie, Don't Look Up. Remember that movie? I'm laughing about that the other day because I'm thinking about when they first made that, they were very clearly trying to sell you on the idea that by not trusting the science, you were the people that were letting the world get destroyed, right? But it very quickly got spun on its head, didn't it? Looking back now, they apparently inadvertently with their propagandized mindset made a movie about exactly what's happening right now. That there are scientists, you know, the real ones standing up and going, you're killing everybody. These things are giving you heart attacks and nobody's listening to them, at least in the mainstream. They rush forward into their own destruction, right? That movie is about them. (laughs) I don't think they even realize that. It's quite hilarious. They tried to make it about the opposite, really. 
But the truth is, you know, remember the point was hashtag don't look up, don't look. The comments is literally going to hit them and they're saying, don't look up, don't even look at it. It's fake. It's a political scam. That's where we are. We are watching people have heart attacks on live TV and they're like, don't look at it. It's something else. You're crazy. Don't look in the conspiracy theorists. Plug your ears. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. It's, it's just mind blowing. Anyway, finish the clip. <laughs> For crying out loud. Uh, I mean, I guess this is a StreamYard thing. I mean, really, just it really does, for some reason, get under my skin, which I shouldn't even admit because that's exactly the point. But because I have to break and I have to stop and it ruins the flow and it's probably the point. Examples, uh, you know, with uh, meningitis. What does it do to people with high blood pressure? What is it? You know, you want to know that. So Israel became, if you will, the, the lab for Pfizer the lab, right, because he said that before. Or so, oh, okay, so, oh, hey, uh, Pfizer, so it kills people with blood, high blood pressure. Got it. Mark that down. Great. So you tested on Israeli people. I mean, that's a very interesting thing to point out, too, for the people that want to make this about, you know, like, ask yourself how it fits into the narrative, the, the Jewish conspiracy concept that is Netanyahu, or the government would do this to the very Jewish people that we're talking about there. Now, look, I very clearly, there is something to be discussed about these, about the influence and so on. I personally think it's very obviously a Zionist thing that then has been hijacking this concept. I've gone over this many times in the past, but it's very interesting to see that this is the way it's played out. There's plenty of Jewish, Israelis, and otherwise other Israelis that are you know, citizens and so on that are very aware how they just got used in all of this. Very interesting. And that's how we did it. We got it out and we gave the information to the world, not only it's been published in medical magazines and so on. Um, that's a database we have. I intend to bring on that base database of medical, personal medical records for entire population, a genetic database, genomes. Wow. Okay. Give me a saliva sample volunteer, but I'm sure yeah, yeah, just volunteer, or we'll make you, you know, either way. Most people would do it. Maybe we'll pay them. Now <laughs> we have a genetic record on a medical record of a robust population. It's got, you have to have diversified populations. We have people from 100 wow. lands. This is just crazy. This is a very powerful engine. Now, now let uh, pharma companies, let medical companies, let them run algorithms on this database, Okay. I'm telling you right away that I'll give preference for a few years to Israeli firms, but you can create, and then to the world, but you can create, uh, you know, a biotechnological industry that is un unheard of right now. Yeah, uh they're talking about the Great Reset technocratic future, right? Your biosecurity state. That's what they're talking about. That's what they're aiming for. He's just being honest about it. Tip, this is what Israel tends to do. They'll come out and they'll say the thing and, and take, so they're, they're showing their population Right. Is he speaking to the Israeli population and saying, look, you know, we'll 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 tell you the thing that they're pretending isn't happening. You know, we'll we'll openly talk about how we don't care. The Palestinians have rights or we don't want them to have a two state solution. We openly say that and they all cheer. And then Biden gets up and says they want to have a two state solution. Sort of like everybody supports the blockade on Cuba, except nobody does. And they vote showed you that. But they'll they love to yell at you what they want you to think the people think. It's just it's on its face ridiculous what he's saying. This challenges every this is a conspiracy theory. I would be willing to bet if you outline this exactly right now on Twitter, you'd be called a, a, an anti-Semitic conspiracy theorist. Unheard of, unimagined even. Uh, and, and these are just the examples. We can become a lot, stave off Iran, become a light onto the nations in uh, groundbreaking
yeah, it's very clear where this all seems to be going. It just really, I guess it just matters if you're paying attention, right? If you, if you're willing to look and as we finish the point here, Tedros, again, making it clear. The pandemic, the illusion of it, this demonstrated the global health security, because that's what this is all about, right? Just like the UK Health Security Agency. Let's not miss the overlaps. It's obvious there's a coordinated effort here. Build back better. No, we didn't all coordinate that. I didn't even know they were saying that, Biden says, because they think you're that dumb. Cannot be left to voluntary mechanisms. You know, we can't allow freedom. (laughs) We can't allow personal choice. That's just madness. As, as Fauci has said before, as I've played on opening clips, there comes a time when you do have to give up what you consider your individual right of making your own decision for the greater good of society. <laughs> right. Or not at all. Right. Or that's completely contradictory to what we believe we have in this country. But no, but that's just because Fauci said, because trust the science. Right. That's what he's saying here. We can't let you decide next time because you're too dumb and you prove that. Well, here's what he says in this other article, this India Today. Tedros said, while COVID deaths have dropped more than 90% since the peak. That's where we are right now. 90% dropped. There were still too many uncertainties about the virus to conclude it was over. Great. So this is your point about ongoing consequences. This means forever. If we're down to 90% of the peak and yet we still pretend we're a pandemic, what does that show you? Why? Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow? Well, that was what was happening before the pandemic started. We didn't know what's going to happen tomorrow then. We didn't pretend we were in a forever pandemic before. There was all sorts of illnesses. Why exactly? The point is, this is how this was meant to go. We are in the biosecurity state. We're in a forever pandemic. Whatever happens next, a tridemic and whatever's going on, we could be 90% down. And I bet you it's even way less than that. Most of what's happening is being caused by these injections, and yet we're going to pretend we don't know yet. We're still having it happen. We're still in a pandemic. Oh, but wait, there's a new wave of variants coming. Oh, why is that? Because you're giving people injections that dramatically increase their risk. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's all right in front of us. But to finish in the, the great reset direction, there's a lot of this already coming out aligning with the genes and biosecurity state, as well as the technocratic side of this. You might have seen this on NBC. Face recognition tech gets Girl Scout mom booted from a rocket show due to where she works. We're already seeing the precursors of the social credit kind of technocratic control. It's coming out everywhere. Here is a Bernie's tweets video showing you Whole Foods in the United States. You might have seen this already. As she says, capturing all your data as you enter, scanning everything you buy, spying on every move you have. Social credit scoring will look just like this. This is very strange. This is Whole Foods Market. You can't even walk into Whole Foods unless you go through this machine. I need my own QR code. How do I get my own QR code? How do I get my own QR code? Maybe I have to have my own QR code to come into Whole Foods. You don't have to uh, stand in What do they do? They just what? It what just knows you have it because it scans it. It knows you have products. Yeah, the, the, the Wi-Fi or whatever it is it scans the products. Whoa! And this is the future of grocery yeah, stores. Whoa! Who did this first? Where in California? You the first 
You don't see? You yeah, watch the screen. Or I think it already passed. In any case, here's the point. Somebody caught this on the in the in the comments, and they're right. What do you think that's supposed to show you? What do you think that's demonstrating right there? Yeah, you got a, you got a QR code there in the middle card you can use why is it showing your hand over the qr reader that's interesting you know exactly what that is let's not pretend we don't know exactly what that is that's an implantable we're talking about an implantable so you can scan your hand over the scan and 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 it works the same way because that's where they all tell you this is going klaus schwab has been telling you this for years that right now not tomorrow not a year from now not 10 years from now today over the last three years, we're already in that phase. And right now is when this is going to happen. That's what he's been telling you for 10 years. And here we are. Ma- uh, Mark Andreessen <laughs> points out, the most common event in our times, an expert with power, authority, and influence is wrong in full view, yet suffer no consequences. That's, a, that's exactly what we're seeing. Whether it's Neil Ferguson or Anthony Fauci or in people on the media, right in front of us, blatantly wrong and not even no consequences, they get benefits from that. I, I simply argue that I would ar- believe, I, I argue that I think it's because they are lying in just the right ways, right? Neil Ferguson's paid, I argue, to lie exactly the way they want him to. That's my guess. I don't know how else you continue to get promoted and benefit and keep being used despite being catastrophically wrong exactly the way the benefits of the government over and over and over. But final, the, la- the last point on this connecting with Tedros point, this is where we're going. No longer voluntary, no longer goodwill. Lean points out the determining question is why, Dr. Tedros, and this is in regard to my interview I had with Dr. Peter McCullough. The COVID vaccine narrative has collapsed, yet the push continues. The point. Thank you for sharing this document. I had to look it up and find it, but I did. Thank you for highlighting this, Lean. Here's what it says. This is the last point today. November 30th, 2022. Just in case we were misunderstanding here, this is from the EU, so it's not everybody, but we know that this is the narrative and we know that they're. this is the clear WHO down concept, the global health. Right. Here's what it says. This is in regard to the EU global health strategy. So it's the same point, but from the EU's perspective, global health security. Here's what it says. The strategy seeks to regain the ground lost to reach the universal health related targets in the 2030 sustainable development goals. Oh, so that's never not been happening. Right. So the point is not to miss that that's been a a thread through this entire illusion. In fact, you might argue it's the entire point. And now they're just using that again to go, we're, this, we need to regain the ground we lost because you guys didn't buy our narratives during COVID-19. Tra- tackling the root causes of ill health, like poverty and social inequalities. Is that what it is? Or is it industrial runoff and, and gene manipulation and GMOs? And yeah, no, it's, it's what they want you to think it is. It's, it's the world problems. The strategy stresses the importance of addressing important drivers of ill health, like, of course, climate change, right? Because we know how the illusion of climate change is causing you to be fat and not the McDonald's you eat every day, of course. And the environmental degradation, all the things they're pointing out that they're causing, introduces a robust health-in-all-policies approach. 
you know, the one size fits all game that they want to apply to health, namely digitalization. Of course, of course, that because that makes sense. The strategy also seeks to improve global health security, right? Because it's their job to address global health. Apparently stepping up prevention, preparedness and response and early detection. So medical pre-crime and COVID-19 all over again. And that's chemical, biological, nuclear, whatever. It doesn't even matter. We're broadening this out even outside of bios. We're just talking about terrorist attacks now, too. Why not? Because that's all part of the same game, including the silent killer that is, guess what? Antimicrobial resistance. The thing that they've been allowing to happen this entire time. That people have been screaming about. We're overusing antibiotics. You're going to make a deadly bug. And they just go, shut up, conspiracy theorist even though it's happening and we know it's happening and they keep doing it and the medical practice keeps overusing it and they keep overusing it with meat and cattle and everything else. But they're going to point at that as the next problem. Self-fulfilling prophecy. As a new, just make sure this is, this is what we need people to hear. They're discussing a new global health order. This might as well just be the new world order. A new global health order. That's exactly what they're caught is emerging. Is this what we voted for? Is this what every country in the world is talking about? What about the ones that don't want to be involved? I guess it's not their choice. That's exactly how they're framing this. Don't forget. We left it up to voluntary stuff and goodwill. And you guys show you can't be trusted. That's where this is going to. Backing the new kind of robust global governance. Are we still pretending this is an elu- like a conspiracy theory? Global governance? is a conspiracy theory, according to Twitter. According to anybody out there pushing back, global governance is fake news. Otherwise, in other parts of the world, here they are literally talking about the new global governance we're building, otherwise known as fake news, the world needs in a complex geopolitical environment. This includes a stronger, more effective, and accountable, as well as sustainably financed, WHO at the core of the multi now. Of course, because we all want to be ruled by the WHO and the global governance, right? I mean, guys, this is quite literally what we've been saying they're doing. And yet it gets called ridiculous conspiracy theory. It's right there in plain English. Backing the new global governance at the core of which is the WHO. Is anybody confused? With deepened cooperation between the G7, G20, and other global regional, this is the pandemic accord that removes your sovereignty if we're dealing with a global governance with the, a WHO at the core. Expanding the EU's international partnerships on health as part of a global gateway. You know, think passports, digital IDs. That's what we're talking about. I think that was it. Global governance. Anybody confused about that? You shouldn't be. It's about as clear as it gets. And But test it out. Go talk about it right now on social media and see what people say about it. Not that that matters, but it's amazing that it can be in real time being stated as absolute fact. And it's still conspiracy theory because they've been trained to dismiss it. Maybe if we gave them some screenshots and text, they might come around. Who knows? But <laughs> the point is, guys, keep pushing back on this because you're making a difference. I mean, it's never been more clear to me that we are reaching people every single day. Every day this is happening. So keep pushing. Because you're saving lives. It's never going to stop. That's the sad reality. But I think we've already had a level of success right now. It's just about what the next thing is. The next game. The next manipulation. Right? So that's why we say stay vigilant. Continue to be attuned to whatever might be happening next from any side. From anybody. Including us. We could be misinformed. We could be mistaken. The point is, guys, be ready for what comes next. 
next QAnon, the next Russiagate, because it's coming. It might already be happening. This is a never-ending game, never-ending yin-yang battle of good and evil, and we're on the front lines. And we're fighting for everybody out there without a voice. We're fighting for those that want good in the world. So we will probably be doing a show, or we will be doing a show tomorrow, a pirate stream for the Dialectical Dissident show. We'll be doing that tomorrow. I don't believe we'll be doing anything else. And then I'm sure I'll be taking Christmas. So if you don't see me tomorrow, make sure you have a great Christmas, guys. And enjoy the family that we have here, the family that T-Lav has created, as T-Lav is in you guys, the community, as well as any family you may have out there. It's important to appreciate these things on, on days like this because it's just never been a more important time to appreciate the good we do have in our lives because there is a lot of it, and we tend to miss that. So have a great Christmas, guys. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.